1: Welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you this evening, sir?
2: Doing well. Always great after a victory, Cade. How are you? How I know.
1: You? Victories of any shape, size, margin of victory, quantity, it doesn't <laughs> matter. One is one, and we'll take it anytime we can get it. I'm feeling really good. Really good. Yeah, it was a uh, high
2: adrenaline, high octane game the entire time. I feel like being in that stadium, I know you were there as well. Yeah. Yep. Oklahoma State's 41-31 victory over Tech. Did did you feel like I mean, I just felt like it was going going the whole time. Like I never really settled down. Not that I thought I was she was going to lose. Yeah. But there weren't really many dull moments of that game. I mean, no. it starts <laughs> off with a that third string quarterback starting for Tech, who we who we mentioned that may happen, yeah, an onside kick, just wild wildness from the get go.
1: Well, I, I I feel that way. My body felt that way after. It was a a crazy game, um, and it was one you kind of said it. I I have seen Oklahoma State play in so many games like that, and I just never once thought. That they were gonna lose that game, and it, it's no shot at Tech. It's it's more that I felt like Tech had to have everything go perfectly. They only had one turnover. They had their true freshman quarterback, or I'm sorry, redshirt freshman quarterback, throw for 380 yards. Um, they convert, you know, several fourth downs, and Oklahoma State still covers. Um, I know they score a late touchdown, but but I never felt like that game was teetering it was it was um precarious at times yeah but i never thought that oklahoma state was out of out of control if that makes sense Uh,
2: in a little bit i'm not gonna say i thought this is exactly how the game was gonna go go. i think i said that tech would score a late td late to get close to the score but really close score prediction wise to your prediction and my prediction we didn't think osu was gonna blow them out i know i said 41 27 yeah i think you had 38 17 so not not like thinking they were going to completely blow him out. Tech kept it close. But to do that, as you just mentioned, they used a quarterback. You heard Derek Mason, Ben Kopinski, Mason Cobb, oh. even Coach Gundy after the game say no when they asked if they expected him to play. They practiced for him a little bit. Derek Mason said he may have just been saying that. But like we mentioned, Zach Kitley, Tech's offensive coordinator, Joey McGuire. They said that Morton was getting snaps, practiced. So I'm sure they practiced for him a little bit, but I don't think they thought he was going to start. They had to do that. They started with the onside kick. They blitzed, which which they normally do around 50 percent of the time on 50 percent of Spencer's dropbacks. You know, it's they're kind of pulling out all the stops. they in some two quarterback formations. Yeah. And like you said, they still lose by double digits. Great effort from Tech. I really like Joey McGuire and his staff's game plan. Absolutely. But I, I, think that, I think that if they go into this game with Donovan Smith, it's a little bit more of a beatdown because the game plan at the beginning, you could tell, was geared for him to be the quarterback.
1: Well, and it was absolutely – I mean, you nailed it. Tech pulled out all the stops. I mean – By taking the ball, you know, they win the for seven fourth downs, take seven fourth downs. They take the ball. They score a touchdown onside kick. I mean, they were going for that early kind of big punch to kind of try to get Oklahoma State off, you know, off balance, because I think when Oklahoma State gets a lead, they are an extremely difficult football team to beat and Oklahoma State you know, to their credit, they were an onside kick, you know, fair catch, unbelievable heads up play from DeMarco Jones from probably potentially going down 14, nothing. And instead Oklahoma state opens up a 17, seven lead, but credit Texas tech for fighting all the way back, taking the lead into halftime and stretching it out to eight. But ultimately, you know, I I think the adjustments from Derek Mason and his staff and the defensive line really kind of, owned the late third quarter and fourth quarter of that game texas tech didn't convert a fourth down i believe on that last in that last quarter i think they were four for four up into that point and we're oh for three do i have that right yeah and if if you look at the stats even with tech's
2: first drive of the third quarter resulting in that touchdown the stats half over half are drastically different and if you yeah. look at it if you take that drive out and look at them it's it's, I mean, it's just a tale of two halves. I know that's a kind of a cliche saying, but that's really what it was. And yeah, I know we kind of hit on the defense a little bit just now, but do you want to go ahead and kind of dive into the offense yeah, and kind of break I, it down a little I, bit more? I
1: absolutely do. Before we get too far down the road, though, I do want to say thank you to sponsor the Feels Like 45 podcast, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash slash price hyphen Buckley, B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Dustin, I I thought Oklahoma State's offense, um, all in all, was good, not great. Um, there's a lot that goes into this and we'll, we'll obviously dive into all of this. Um, I mean, what was your assessment of the way things went on Saturday?
2: Yeah, Kate. So I think tech did what you and I talked about. I mean, I'm not saying we called it exactly, but they went single high. A lot of the time they pressed up on the wide receivers and they were blitzing Spencer Sanders, which no other team has really done yet this year. We thought that they might do it because that's kind of how their scheme is set up. A lot of blitzes, a lot of kind of different guys sitting at the quarterback, some of that sim pressure creepers. And that's what they did. And they kind of dared Spencer Sanders some t- to take some shots deep down the sideline. And they just didn't connect on a lot of them. You know, Braden Johnson's not out there. He leaves the game pretty early with injury. I have him with only 14 snaps on yeah. the day. So it, it wasn't a surprise. Mike Gundy even mentioned it on his radio show. He thought that's what they were going to do. So I think the game plan was geared towards that. It just didn't operate super efficiently. We saw... You know, then set the formation into the boundary. They've done that a lot of times during the Casey Dunn tenure. That means, you know, the strength of the formation, so more wide receivers, the tight end, will be set to the short side of the field. Kind of makes the defense have to think a little bit. Normally, they're going to put their strength, their strong side linebacker to the wide side, to the field. And do they change that when the offense goes formation to the boundary? So it kind of plays with the defense a little bit. You see offenses all over the country doing that now. Mostly zone runs. They did mix in some power, Cade. We talked about power because K-State crushed Texas Tech with QB power. So we obviously we thought we may see that. We saw it a couple times. A lot of isolation with the single receivers. What Oklahoma State did, especially at the beginning of the second half, they split the single receiver to the field or to the wide side out really, really far away from the offensive line and then had the formation to the boundary. Because they knew Tech was manning them up, and they had that safety deep over the top. So what you do if you have the when they're setting the safety deep over the top, basically what they're saying is, hey, we need to win the route inside. So an in a slant, something back towards the quarterback. And Jaden Bray and Stephon Johnson were just having a little bit of trouble getting separation there. But overall, I, I think I, I liked the game plan. I thought they went a little bit too deep pass happy at times in this game just with it being jaden Brace's first game back his first snaps timing maybe a little off and not having brayden johnson out there but it's kind of what tech was giving him so I, I didn't hate it it wasn't my favorite casey dunn scheme play called game but he, a lot of guys went down offensive linemen went down so i i kind of get what he was trying to do and he was taking what the defense gave him
1: yeah, I, I mean, I love the breakdown. I thought one of the main reasons Oklahoma State you know, looked out of sorts. I mean, obviously, you've, you highlighted the injuries on the offensive line, and that leads directly to a, a tough time running the football. And we talked about on the, on the show last week, Texas Tech's got a good defensive line. Jalen Hutchings, Tyree Wilson, two NFL guys on that defensive line. And then I think they've got that third other kind of defensive tackle that they'll rotate in there a really good defensive line, probably one that flies under the radar to maybe the, uh, the casual college football fan with all due respect. But I think that with the injuries on the offensive line, plus a really athletic, aggressive, stunting defensive line, it gave Oklahoma state some issues. You, you highlighted it in the game thread. They didn't have a, a running back rush, go over 10 yards and it, and it felt like it. And they, end up having to convert a lot of third and longs. They convert to fourth and longs in this game. Um, and that to me kind of highlights why I think they looked so efficient. They couldn't, they didn't succeed running the ball on first and second down puts them behind the chains and Spencer's got to create. Sometimes he was able to, you know, and I, I think even potentially an injury to Spencer Sanders, which we'll talk about a little bit later, maybe, um, exaggerated some issues within the passing game. All in all, I thought they were obviously good enough to get the win, but they were less efficient than I had hoped against the Texas Tech defense that's given up some yards. But again, credit to Texas Tech for the game plan they entered with because it it really gave Oklahoma State fits where we even kind of discussed that it could. So credit to them for doing it and executing it well.
2: Yeah, I agree. And uh, The offensive line... I was a little bit worried about them when we talked on the podcast last week, pass rush wise, this Texas tech defensive line, like you said, they're very athletic with Wilson, with Hutchings, Bradford jr. These guys are not the biggest. I mean, Tyree Wilson's a monster, but they're not the biggest interior defensive lineman that tech has, but they're very quick. They know how to shoot the gaps. They're, they're able to stunt. They're able to use the second level pressure to kind of get off their block and get to the quarterback. But where Oklahoma State struggled, and I didn't really think they would this much, is getting through the first level of Texas Tech's defense Absolutely. and getting up to the second level. I know, I'm sure that sounds a little strange because we've the Oklahoma State offensive line has struggled with it at times this season. I just thought they were going to be able to do it against Tech. They've kind of consistently been improving week over week. They actually performed pretty well against Baylor, all things considered, with how tough and physical and big that interior defensive line is, and they just weren't able to. I, I mean, I noted so many times where if you get to the second level there, you're gonna, you know, spring Dom for you know a few more yards, and, and it's on Dom a little bit too. He's got to be able to make guys miss the second level, has, but has to. I had, you know, I had Etsy. So here was one thing I noticed, Caden. Let me know if if you felt the same. You know, we've talked about how they've gone to more interior runs of the past two weeks, and they did it again here, actually. But when they go back to outside zone, especially when they run it away from Etienne and Materko's side, they struggle to get that reach block. And a lot of times, the guy tackling Dom is the backside defender. You know, the, the offensive lines say they're flowing to the right? Yep, away from Etienne and away from Materico's side and someone from the left side of the defensive line is coming from the back of the play and grabbing Dom before he can make a cutback or they're catching him before he can get to the perimeter it's a really tough block to ask offensive linemen to do especially like if depending on how the defensive linemen are aligned it's very tough but I just thought they've struggled with it most of the year but Really struggled in this game, and specifically at Tiana Materico.
1: Yeah, and when when you have a running back who is not necessarily the most elusive, uh, doesn't have a whole lot of side to side to him, and and you know for all that he lacks there, he makes up for in physicality, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, chip backer. So this is not really a you know pile on Dom session that we're having here. But you're exactly right, and you know um, I I wonder if somebody with a little bit more quickness alleviates some of that but we saw ollie gordon come in for what one snap and really that was kind of it we we didn't see a whole lot of anybody else and if i have that wrong let me know um but yeah i mean i I would agree with that dustin but it, it absolutely felt like they were not able to get things going um early in the running game and it was almost like the play was over as it was starting. You know what I mean? So your assessment makes a lot of sense from what I was watching in the stadium and after. The, the, the running game was just kind of uh, non-existent for most of the day. And, and they'll have to clean that up. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I think they've played two of the best defensive lines in this conference right now. I mean, I would say Oklahoma State, K-State, uh, Texas Tech, and Baylor. Those are probably your four right there. And they've now played two, so hopefully things get shored up, and hopefully, really hopefully, your offensive line is healthy going into this game against TCU because I think it's a little bit of a different challenge. I think TCU poses maybe more opportunity um, in the running game, but you know we'll get to that. But yeah, Dustin, I, I think you're spot on there.
2: Let me yeah, let me ask right. you, let me
1: ask you this: what what alleviates that? Because they they appear to be wanting to use that inside run, right? So how, how do you, you know, scheme-wise, and how, how, do you, how do you fix something like that? I mean,
2: I think it's just figuring out what running plays, what blocking scheme works to this offensive line' strengths. And if it's right. going more to these interior runs, you know, you and I talked about maybe they're going to more of the interior, the inside zone runs, because that plays to dom strength, and right. you know you've got Preston Wilson and Hunter Woodard in the middle, but maybe it's because teams are keying on the fact that when they run outside zone, they're always running it one way because on if they run it the other way, Etienne and Materco are struggling at getting those reach blocks, so that could be part of it. Mm. I, you know, I, I'm I've got a little bit of recency bias because I'm thinking of the Baylor. And Texas Tech games right now. So it's hard for me to kind of remember back to those first games. I I don't remember calling Etienne out on this. I do remember calling Materico out a little bit, but it kind of was glaring here and and i'm not saying it's etienne's fault this is he's a monster human being who <laughs> does well in pass pro it, it's hard to get to that block like i'm not saying it's easy to do it's just i think maybe that could be another reason why they're going to more inside zone more of these interior runs you know you see with the diamond formation they do some of that hb insert iso which is another inside run but you're right about the snap count you know ali played uh five snaps 5 to 6% DeAndre Jackson was in for one, but Dom was also in on that one. And then Jaden Nixon's in there for eight snaps. So Dom played 85% of the snaps and that's kind of what he's been doing. And, and you're right. I think there's gotta be a second back in there. I really wanted to hit on that part, you know, a little bit more too, when we talk TCU, cause I think that'll play into that game plan, but kind of wrapping up the offensive line, Cade, you know, we've talked about Preston Wilson yeah, at times he's gotten pushed back. At times he's looked really good. He did some great things against Baylor, against Eka. The thing with losing Preston Wilson, though, and we'll talk about the snaps, the high snaps. But yeah, right. He is the guy calling out the protections on the offensive line, and this is a seasoned veteran offensive lineman who has played in game, has played guard, tackle, and center at Oklahoma State and has great chemistry with Spencer Sanders, not just at the center position, but just being a part of his offensive line. And I I think Joe Maholski has looked good at times this year at guard, but putting him in there at center. And I know he had reps last year. I know he played in the big 12 championship game is not only a drop off just from an overall, I think Preston Wilson, you know, it is a more talented and experienced offensive lineman. No shot at Joe. He just is, but from the overall, just kind of calling out the protections, telling other guys where they need to be, that's a pretty big drop off from Preston to Joe.
1: Yeah, and and I don't know how you fix that today. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can only patch so many holes on the offensive line, and we talked about it before the year started, and I think we've even mentioned it. Staying healthy up there, especially at the center and tackle spots this season, is imperative. And if, if Preston Wilson's injury is nagging in any way, you're thankful one that Mahalski has played enough to where hopefully you know if if he's getting reps in practice this week, for example, hopefully break some rust off, get familiar with that center spot again. So I would expect things if Preston Wilson's not available, which I I, I think he will be from kind of this some of the stuff who I've read, but maybe not. If not then hopefully Maholski's getting his feet back wet and understanding again, okay, this is what it's like to be a center. Uh, because I could understand how that transition being so quick is, is hard on a player, especially in a game scenario. So uh, I'll give Mahalski a little bit of, of slack there, but at the same time, it will cause issues for the foreseeable if they can't get that figured out.
2: Yeah, and I, I think Joe's a solid offensive lineman. The other thing with the snaps, the high snaps that happen during the game, you know, they they mess up the timing. There's always a chance for fumble. There, Spencer made some pretty good catches on a few of them. Absolutely, to still get the play going, but
1: snagging it. Joe's Joe's been getting a ton of reps at guard.
2: Right. I think that's playing into the fact of his snap and his just overall kind of chemistry there no, that's with Spencer what I mean. Sanders. Yeah. You know, he's the backup center, but he's getting a ton of reps at guard. So I, I do on a positive note since we're kind of wrapping up the O-line, I do think Hunter Woodard and Jake Springfield played pretty well in both the run game and pass blocking comparatively. I still didn't think it was the best game from either of these guys, but I thought they were the better two. And that's two weeks in a row now. We're saying Jake Springfield had a pretty good game. So shout out to Jake. Uh, I I think he's looked good these past two weeks. In the the pass protection, Cade, You can't completely always put that on the offensive line if the defense is sitting six guys and the running back and the Cowboy back are going out for a pass. There's not enough offensive linemen. (laughs)
3: I'm it's not simple that mathematics. A
2: ton, but I mean they're just not enough offensive linemen. I do think they need to work on how they handle stunts, how they handle some of these second level guys a little bit better. When you're seeing a safety and linebacker blitz and blow your offensive lineman backwards, I know he's got a running start, but you got to be able to turn him, move him, get him out of the pocket or create a pocket for Spencer. And a, a few times they kind of were driven straight back into him, smashing his leg and you know, i, I hitting him before he throws. So I I think that's got to get shored up, but overall, I I wasn't, wasn't the best game from the offensive line, but I didn't think they were like the worst. It wasn't the worst game I've ever seen either.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you kind of mentioned Spencer Sanders. Let's, let's talk about him a little bit. 22 of 45, 297 total yards, a touchdown and no turnovers. I mean, I thought. All in all, he he made probably more throws, and I know you'll probably break this down here in just a second. He made more catchable throws than 22 is what I'll say. I'll also say there were some real <laughs> real duds in there, but I think he was a little hobbled at the end of that game, and I think that the he didn't ever put the ball really in danger, and I would say in the fourth quarter made maybe the best throw of his career as he was one hobbled two hadn't been protected all that well in the second half steps up and makes maybe the best throw of his career to Bryson green, essentially dropping it in a window, not in triple coverage, but dropping it in an extremely tight window. Um, I, I don't think Spencer was great by any means he's played better games this season, but again, he's good enough to win. And frankly, Oklahoma state doesn't win without him. So.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you. You know, if, If you look at Spencer's stats, take out the sacks, 65 yards rushing, which I didn't mention this when we were kind of talking O line, but Dom and Spencer, 89% of the carries, they got to 4.0 yards per carry. So that's shocking. Terrible from those two. (laughs) 3.8 overall for the team. If you take out the sacks, if the sacks are included, I think it was like 3.3, but it's tough to include those because those aren't running plays. So, um, but again, you know, quarterback scrambles, you include those. So, All that being said, Spencer, 65 yards rushing, almost 300 yards passing. I know the completion percentage is not anywhere near where you want it, but like you said, a touchdown through the air, two on the ground, and no turnovers. And, Cade, what happened in this game early? He got pressured, and they were struggling to run the ball, and you didn't see him crack. That was the thing that I was most impressed by because Mike Gundy says it all the time when Spencer has you know kind of a subpar – maybe average below average game or even a terrible game like the, like, you know, big 12 championship where he's turning the ball over a lot, which, you know, he kind of redeemed himself at the end there late, but he talks about this all the time. If Spencer, if we're not able to run the ball, if he's not able to run the ball and if he gets pressured early, he gets a little rattled and basically all of that happened early and he still did not get rattled. And that's what I was the most impressed by. But Passing-wise, I completely agree with you. I think I had around six or seven as either drops, throwaways, or hit as he threw. And then all three of those slants he threw to Bray and to Stephon Johnson, where what I talked about, where basically what Texas Tech was doing is the single receiver side when Oklahoma State spread him out, they put a safety almost directly over that receiver and then had a pressed-up corner on him. It's kind of taking away the deep ball to that side. But what's there is that green grass in between the tackle and the wide receiver. And Bray and Stephon Johnson were not able to win those routes. And they need I'm not I'm not saying Casey Dunn needs to keep calling that play over and over again like he did. But those guys need to win those routes. Spencer put it right on them. Yeah. You know, if they get a little bit of separation, they're catching those passes with, you know, a foot of space from the D B and gaining four or five. You know, if they break the tackle, they only got the safety to beat. So there was three, at least three of those that I counted that gets you up near 10. So 10, that possibly could have been completion. So I think it was like, like you mentioned a little bit better game from him passing than what the numbers show, you know, we're Spencer apologists. We're big Spencer (laughs) guys. So I'm sure people disagree with that take, but that's kind of how I felt when, when looking at his passing game and his misses, a lot of them were low not really where a defensive back could catch it like you mentioned some turnover worthy plays he didn't really have a lot of those there was the one where he was hit as he threw I think it was the linebacker dove and got really close to it but I, I didn't think that one was so much on Spencer and if he's throwing up a jump ball down the sideline with his receiver in a corner that's not a turnover worthy play he's giving his receiver a shot to catch the ball now the deep balls with Bray were definitely overthrown. He missed yep. a few other throws. I'm not saying he missed more throws in this game than than I would like him to, but I, I don't think the 49 percent completion percentage is a true indication of how his passing performance. No, went.
1: that that's really all I'm getting at is like you look at the end stat line, and if you're Heather Dennich, for example, you look at that and you're like, oh my gosh, he completed less than 50 percent of his passes. If you didn't watch every snap of that game, I could see how that would be alarming, but. Yeah, I, I love the breakdown there. And, and you know, I look back at last year, Oklahoma State had a lot of success on that in-cutting route with all that room with Tay Martin. Really, it was Tay Martin that was kind of the target a lot of times. I know Jaden Bray was really successful, but those, those tech corners were right up on the receiver. And that is, you know, yes, they need to win that battle, but that is a tough battle to win and win consistently. So, you know, again, I, I think you're asking – spencer to make good throws which he did but you're asking a lot of those those young receivers and specifically Jaden bray who's in his first game coming back off of injury so i'll give him one i'll give him one game to kind of get the break the rust off a little bit he made a great kind of diving catch on a key play uh in the second half of that game but other than that you're exactly right they've, they've got to win those battles but and you know it to me that's kind of the blueprint right now it feels like the blueprint's out a little bit now after this game i I think you're gonna see other teams try to replicate this now the question becomes do they have the personnel to do so i'm not so sure that tcu has the blueprint to or the personnel to go out and try to copy what texas tech did but looking down the road a little bit at a kansas state they do um this is something that I'm going to be watching going forward is how does Oklahoma state complete some of those and w- really win those one-on-one tough battles that they made a lot of hay in last year, because right now in this game, they didn't, but it's one game. There's a lot of time to shore this up. I, I believe in Casey Dunn, Um, and the track record speaks for itself. So I'm not sounding the alarm yet, but um, it feels like that's one of those game game plans that people are going to key on and say, "Okay, do we have the dudes to try to do what Texas Tech just did?"
2: Yeah, and speaking of the offensive game plan, I know you know we both said this wasn't maybe our favorite Casey Dun call. I did like the Oklahoma State QB involved run game, like we talked about that jet power read, which they ran because they saw K State dominate Texas Tech with it, but. I liked how, and, and Kate, we mentioned this on the pregame pod, using some motion to maybe help out the run game a little bit. What Oklahoma State was doing is they were sending Brennan Presley and sometimes John Paul Richardson. I think they also did it with Bray. They were sending him in motion literally right before the snap, kind of like a delayed motion. And that's going to catch the defensive backs, the linebackers' eyes – and then they were either, you know, still going with inside zone, or you know, maybe it was the zone, the split zone bluff where Sanders reads the edge player and he'll either keep it with the cowboy back lead blocking or hand it off. And then that jet power read. But I kind of like using that misdirection to help out the run game, especially when we've seen some struggles this year. So I did like that. And then Spencer Sanders' ability to scramble, whether it's for a two-yard gain to get a first down. For a twenty-yard gain because the middle of the field's wide open, it's so impressive. And every single opposing coach has either brought it up in their pregame presser or in their post game, <laughs> well, What Joey McGuire
1: did—they're bringing because, it up in both because no, everybody yeah. knows it's coming, and they can't stop it.
2: <laughs> even even if they have a guy spying, even if they drop one of their edge guys into kind of like that short little robber zone right, by, which Oklahoma State was doing on defense a little bit too. They. They can't they can't contain him. He's yeah, he's too fast, he's too good of a runner, and he's too smart. And I, I mean he's gotta be one of the best scrambling QBs I've ever seen. I don't think that's a hot take. Uh, they went back to the draw as well. I, I really liked what they did involving Sanders in the running game in this one. I think they can kind of continue to build off the QB run game. I don't love him taking hits. We see him get banged up, but he's such a good runner, you have to run him.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. And to me, what's amazing about him is his ability to catch a defender almost like leaning one direction and completely make them whiff. I mean, how many times have we seen that this oh, year yeah. as he – Really kind of puts one foot in the ground and shimmies and, and it, and that defender's nowhere near them. And so you laid that out perfectly. A lot of these teams are, are trying to keep an eye on that. And even when they do, it doesn't really matter because of his open field running ability. And when he gets, I mean, it really doesn't take him long at all to get up to top speed. I mean, it's three or four steps and he's going. So um, it's something I'm watching for against TCU, who struggled a little bit in that regard, containing opposing mobile quarterbacks. So we're we're going to find out. Um, I mean, you know, I hope I hope Spencer's healthy. But you know, again, to me, wrapping him up, stat line doesn't tell the whole story. Three total touchdowns, no turnovers, and as to go back to your very first point, he didn't crack in moments that we've seen him crack before, and really was. Outside of a couple of throws, I thought just kind of did what he was supposed to do in a game like that. I mean, Tech was physical, and yet you just have to give them credit. They were really good in the secondary.
2: 60-plus non-sack rushing yards, and Oklahoma State wins the game. It's a simple formula. I'm trying to preach it out there. If Spencer Sanders gets above that 60 non-sack rushing yards, Oklahoma State wins. Is that is it too
1: easy? <laughs> It feels it feels like we have nailed the number. I mean, we said it last year, and has anything really changed? No, I mean
2: it it's it, it makes sense when you think about how many times he runs the ball and everything. It's not like he's getting like an insane yards per carry number very often or anything. It's pretty consistent. Well, but so if you it, it is funny to watch.
1: If you go back, I made a comment uh going into the Baylor game. You had said he needs 70 total yard or 70 rushing yards, and I had mentioned that I didn't think it needed to be 70, but if it's not, it needs to be an efficient, you know, seven, eight yards per carry, like nine, nine carries for 60 yards. We kind of saw the game on the ground from Spencer that I said he couldn't have against Baylor. It's a good thing. We got away with it in this game, but he wasn't overly efficient running the ball either. I mean, he got sacked. I think he got sacked what, once or twice. So you have to factor that in, but at, at the same time, this was kind of the inefficient running game that I had mentioned couldn't happen against Baylor. Happens against Texas Tech. You get away with it. Um, and hopefully there's enough on film, and I think there will be, to, to correct some of this.
2: Yeah, I agree. And kind of moving on, if you're good with the cage, some of the guys he was throwing the football to, Jaden Bray, he's back. I, I feel like we got a hit on him first, even though Bryson Green had the monster game, because Casey Dunn after the game said, he was planning on playing Bray about twenty snaps, and I have Bray at sixty-five. So that's a little <laughs> bit higher than twenty.
1: <laughs> Just a, that's but, our math. That's like our math.
2: So here's the here's my thing with Bray. I thought he looked really fast. Yep. I think he looked a little less physical than I was hoping, and I think him and Spencer obviously have some timing things to work on. None of those things are big time. I, I think they can all be corrected very easily with more practice reps. You know, Gunny said he wasn't even really practicing. Yeah. Not, he, yeah. He, he questioned his conditioning and stuff like that. So I don't, I think once they get on the same page, I mean, a couple of times Bray blew by the guy on that deep route and he was like five yards past the tech corner and Spencer overthrew him. Yeah. So if, if they can get that timing, right. I mean, there's a couple touchdowns right there. So yeah. I thought he looked really good. I think when he goes in motion, He just looks very smooth running very fast, faster, actually, than I remember. So if he can add back that physicality, we know he's got the jump ball skills. I'm really excited he's back, but he definitely didn't have a phenomenal first game back. And Gundy even called him out after the game, talking about his ability to get off of that press man coverage.
1: Yeah, and and none of that. Is really shocking, you know, I mean, coming off an injury really to your, to your hand, like I could imagine that you're a little bit timid, especially if you haven't been practicing much, not a lot of contact, you may be a little timid to throw that arm out there. Um, and you know, I, I agree with you. I thought he looked more athletic than I remembered. Um, he's got a longer stride. It feels like it's almost like that. And this is a, this is a bad comparison. It's a big comparison, but almost like that athletic leap that Justin Blackman took. Now there's a lot that goes into what Justin Blackman was able to do, but he said it just kind of the, the, Oh, okay. So he did make a physical jump. Now it's just, can he, can he put the tools together? Um, I'm not surprised really by anything I saw from Jaden Bray, you know, not as physical as we'd love, but the athleticism is off the charts. The speed is off the charts. All the tools are there. Um, I do expect that timing to get worked out. I expect the rust to get broken off. I mean, and I kind of expect it this week. So um, I'm really not worried about it. So. Yeah,
2: I mean, he'll definitely... I know we'll get to it later, but he'll definitely need to be more physical against TCU's no corners. No doubt. He, they targeted him 12 times, and he only caught two of them. Casey Dunn mentioned after the game that wasn't the plan to target him 12 times. It's just kind of, you know, there were some looks, like we mentioned, those slants, some of the deep balls when that safety's playing in the... That single is playing in the middle of the field, and Bray's got one-on-one down the sideline, that, hey, you know, if this is Jaden Bray that's got five games you know, of experience so far this season, five games of condition. He doesn't have this injury. You take those every day. So I, I think it'll get worked out like you said. I, I definitely am not I'm not down on Jaden Bray after this game, even though he caught two of twelve. I, I think it'll get worked out and I'm really excited he's back. But Bryson Green, you know, we talked oh, about we're like watching him figure out what he's really good at as this season goes on. You know, we talked about he has some trouble getting off of getting separation, of man. Which I thought he did a little bit better job of. You saw in a Absolutely. couple of those slant RPOs, he did get separation, and Spencer threw it behind him. But <laughs> on on the deep balls, he just turns into you know a power forward getting a rebound. Blocking oh. him out, going up and grabbing the ball, or even his ability, his athletic ability to lay out on that fourth down was amazing too. But the way he's able to use his body, I think he's got it down now. And I'm very excited to watch him play. And I, I know some people get mad about the red zone fade balls, but when you've got a guy who's figured it guy. out like this yeah. now, I think you gotta throw it to him when you're in the red
1: zone. Is is six one two oh five right? I mean, he looks like Joey Graham out there.
2: Gundy seemed confused. He, you know, he talked about uh, Bryson's size in his postgame presser. And when someone said 205, he goes, Well, he's every bit of 205. Yeah. I and, think he may be a little bit bigger than that. And he's
1: every bit of six one. I mean, he he really is physically impressive. And, you know, there's there was a play in the second quarter. Where Oklahoma State goes for it on fourth and eight, and he lays out and makes really what felt like at the time a game saving play because Texas Tech had a lot of momentum at that time, and it was not even his most impressive catch of the day. Um, you know, five catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, I don't know how you get him enough snaps with Jaden Bray getting healthy, but he needs to be on the field. So, Cade, I think I've got an answer for you because
2: they did it late. I'm ready. So, about the fourth quarter, I, I had this at about like 14 snaps, I think, that Jaden Bray got at the Z position. Oh, wow. So, Stevan Johnson was kind of backing up Brayden Johnson at that Z position after he went out. But what they did later in the game is they kept Bryson at the X – and really in Oklahoma state's offense it's just what side of the field that receiver lines up on. And that, and I mean, it's more than that because of the route concepts, but that's how you can tell them apart. So they had Bray at the Z and he's running Brayden Johnson's routes. And then they kept Bryson at the X. I think if Braden Johnson can't go with his head injury, if he doesn't get cleared, I think you're going to see Bray at Z Bryson at X against TCU.
1: Well, I mean, I, I'm good with that. I I would also love to see a little slot fade, Bryson on the outside, Jaden Bray on the inside. You know, I love the slot fade, <laughs> but I mean, get those dudes you see, on the run same. For you. Yeah, get those dudes on the same side of the field and and confuse everybody. But no, I mean, he's he's just getting to the point where he's too good to keep off the field. Um, even if if others are healthy, I mean, he's he's emerging as a top threat for oklahoma state right now and he it's just it's just interesting like he wasn't the one everybody was hyped up about coming in that was that was his brother blaine but bryson has been phenomenal i mean he's just been extremely good
2: yeah it was like i think on the 247 composite i think bryson was higher but the straight 247 i think blaine was like two it's like an 88 versus an 86 in those recruiting rankings so yeah you're right it was and then Blaine kind of took off with the cowboy back position. So it's it's cool to see Bryson kind of come into what we thought he could be when we watched his high school film and stuff like that. So I think he's played really well. I think he knows what his strengths are. I think he's really started to figure it out over these last couple games. And him and Spencer's chemistry has been great. I'm very excited about him moving forward. Uh, Stephon Johnson, I know he had the questionable knee down fumble, but yeah. it was down. Him in space, getting him in space. The dude can move. That's what we talked about. This is a guy that you throw screens to and just kind of let him work. You can see it on just that play. That kind of shifty move he put on right before he maybe fumbled was beautiful.
1: Well, number one, his knee was down. I went back and looked at it. He was definitely down, but he is also bigger than I expected. I don't know where Oklahoma state is getting these guys, but uh, they just have a bunch of athletic kind of, freaks at wide receiver and Stefan Johnson is also probably too good to keep off the field. And Mike Gundy even talked about it. They're not, he's not red shirting and neither is Braylon Presley is what Mike Gundy had talked about. So I don't know how Bryson and Jaden and, and Brayden Johnson being together impacts Stephon Johnson, but he has some open field type of, you know, some moves and I know he only had the one catch but I would love to see what else he can do. Um, I mean, because a guy of his size, he moves really well. Yeah. I mean,
2: some of these guys, when they get in, like Stefan and even, even Braden, I know he went out with injury, but they're going to have to work on their blocking. I yeah, think we're especially sure. going to need some out some perimeter blocking against TCU. So you see, you know, John Paul does a really good job, Bryson does a good job. Brendan tries his best, but you see some issues like what Stefan Johnson was trying to do it. When uh, Braden Johnson, he he's not you know always given a hundred percent, not so much a hundred percent effort, but he's just not always kind of in the right spot when blocking. And I think that they, those guys need to improve that, but overall just skill wise and even kind of football IQ wise, Stefan Johnson looks like he's a player and it's awesome that he got some snaps in this game. So that's all, uh, that's great. And then, I thought Brennan and John Paul had decent games, you know, four catches for 50 yards for John Paul, Brennan six for 62. I didn't think anything was bad for them. I'd love to get John Paul a little bit more involved in the game plan. I think, you know, he played 52 snaps, but yeah, I, I think, you know, taking what the defense has given you there, but I, I didn't think they had bad games. They didn't really pop, you know, on rewatch or anything like that, but I thought they played pretty well.
1: Yeah, I mean, another week where uh, Brennan Presley gets a lot of targets. I mean, I, I still love his kind of focal point, that he is a focal point in the passing game because it gives the defenses just another thing to game plan. I think Oklahoma State's going to have a big challenge coming up with TCU's corners, but it does give them uh, everything to game plan for when you have somebody like that in the slot who's so dynamic. Um, I, I I just – the receivers give me a lot of um, – optimism as Oklahoma state continues to figure things out in the running game. I know you got to be able to block to throw the ball, but I I think they've got some ways they can mask some of these issues just by the talent they have on the outside.
2: Yeah. I like it. I I didn't like, like we said, we didn't love the game plan, but I liked what I saw from most of the receivers ready to get some more reps, get him back to full speed. I think he's going to be a monster still. And I, Cowboy back-wise, just kind of wrap up the offense, yep. Braden Cassidy gets the most snaps this game. I, I really have no idea what they're going to do at Cowboy back every game. But <laughs> Cassidy got 39, uh Schultz got 20, and then Rashad Owens got 18. So still mixing it up. I do love the mixing it up because I think at some point, Rashad Owens is going to sneak out for a pass in a game, and it's going to result in a big play because the defense is like, you know, they're never throwing it to these guys. They rotate, they've been rotating Owens in, haven't thrown him the ball. I still think that's a secret back pocket weapon to be used at some point, maybe this week. Yeah,
1: a little 12 like, personnel with Owens and, and Cassie. Like, who's doing what out here? <laughs> a little throw a little leak action at TCU. They love to run that play. Why don't you throw it back at him with the cowboy back? I would like that. I do think, Cade. I wasn't super impressed with the
2: pass blocking from the Cowboy backs when they were asked to stay in, in this game. And this was the first time they really got tested with that pressure. And I think it was just subpar. I, I didn't think it was what I think it should be for this team to be successful. So definitely some things to clean up there, but you know, they're still making great blocks. They're still, they're all just really sound players that know what their job is, hit their assignments. I just think maybe a, a little bit a little bit increase in the pass blocking but just kind of a I'm kind of nitpicking now.
1: <laughs> no. No no problem. I mean I, again, I think Oklahoma State ha- there were reasons why the offense looked the way they did, but again, give a lot of credit to Texas Tech and the way they came in and and they're more physical than they have been in the past. Um I I think you you just have to credit that new coaching staff for for a lot of what they've been able to do. And they're gonna win some games. Like I I think they're gonna beat somebody they shouldn't. They've already done that in Texas. And I, I think they're gonna be a tough out in the Big 12. So um this is a this is a tough league. And I know we haven't even got to the defense yet, but I, I just caution everybody, you know, getting fired up about the offense, which put up 41 points in a pretty inefficient game. I'm excited to see what they can do against a team like TCU that has has given up yardage and points. So Moving to the defensive side of the ball, Dustin, um, Baron Morton was fantastic. I mean, he looks like maybe the second coming of Patrick Mahomes out there. Um, <laughs> and I would say, I don't know why he hasn't played sooner for Texas Tech, but I also think Oklahoma State, all in all, really adjusted well in the second half and made things really hard on him. He was a little bit hobbled in the second half. But made things hard on him, and you saw the defense really tighten things up in the second half and hold Texas Tech to that one touchdown. But I mean what was your assessment overall? We talked a lot about their scheme, you know some counter runs being their thing. They found a little success in in that part of their run game, um, so I'm curious what you thought about the defense as a whole. yeah, so they
2: pretty much did ex- the exact opposite <laughs> of what I thought in the beginning of the game. They went out there, not not the fact that they were so they were heavy, two, four, five. We're really seeing Derek Mason implement that two down lineman, two Leo defense into this Oklahoma State game plan. I think I had eighty three of the total plays had two down linemen and two Leos out there. We saw a lot of it at Baylor. They're really kind of moving to that. We saw a little bit of that bear type front as well. They really mixed up their zone coverage in this game. We saw Tampa 2, I thought some, some cover 6, some cover 3, cover 1, even some cover 0 where everybody's manned up, no deep safety. It was kind of all over the place. They they went to pretty good split of man and zone in this game. I, I didn't think they were too heavy, really. Either way, maybe a little more man. But what they were doing early in the game, and Derek Mason talked about this after the game, is they were trying to kind of expose Donna, some of Donovan Smith's weaknesses. And they talked about how he, he also talked about how Donovan Smith has a way different launch point on his throw than Baron Morton. He kind of comes more sidearm Baron Morton's a little bit more over the top. So they had kind of talked about some things with getting their hands up, dropping into certain zones to get in the way of that. And you saw it early. Wow. So what they were doing a lot early on is they were still rushing four, but they were rushing the two interior guys and then they were sending Benson and Cobb in on a blitz, but still with just four. And then they were dropping both Leos in these kind of short little zones to kind of exploit that from Smith. Well, they kept, they did it because they didn't really have any film on Morton, so they kept doing it, and it didn't really affect him at all. He was able to kind of throw around it or over it. In the quick passing game, when Oklahoma State has these seven, eight, nine yard cushions from their cornerbacks, is what tech was going to early enough. And Kate, I didn't think Oklahoma state was going to come out and do that. I thought they were going to come out and press up a little bit more. And they switched to that in the second half, but overall the second half adjustments, what they did is those, those kind of deep splits off the line of scrimmage. They stopped that from seven, eight, nine yards. They shortened that to four, five ish yards, even some pressed up on the slot, which they weren't doing a lot. They brought Jason Taylor, the safety down to help with the slots as well they moved, they kind of changed some of their spacing and some of their zone coverages like Tampa 2. I put out a video of how they were moving that bandit safety around a little bit to take away some of the throws Morton was going to. And after a while, I think Derek Mason and this Oklahoma state re- defense realized and Mason Cobb mentioned it when asked about his interception that Morton was wanted to go to his first read. And he, if he wasn't going to his first read, it was kind of a fake look off to get the safety to move. And then he was throwing directly to another guy. And they started kind of keying on that in the second half. Had Jabbar Muhammad, especially, had multiple pass breakups. Mason Cobb had the pick. I think it just took him a little while to figure it out. And I'm not sure how much you can really fault this defense for that because, you know, they probably should have adjusted a little bit quicker. But like I said in the preview pod, this is their hot Texas Tech's highest rated quarterback recruit of all time, a school that's had some very solid quarterbacks and you have no film on him and he's three inches shorter and 25 pounds lighter than the guy who's normally starting and they have almost completely different skill sets. So I I thought overall Derek Mason's second half adjustments were amazing and I I think this team kind of completely impose their will in the second half.
1: I completely agree with everything you said and I I you wish maybe they would have adjusted a little sooner, but it's really easy to understand why they didn't, right? It's kind of hard to believe that a, a freshman's going to come out there and light you up. He threw the ball 62 times and threw one pick. It's kind of hard to believe that that was going to happen especially in the first half where the crowds juiced up offense has gotten out to a 17-7 lead. It's easy to understand why they stayed the course for as long as they did. But, I mean, credit to Derek Mason. Again, making those second-half defensive adjustments It's what Oklahoma State was so good at last year. You had to score on them early. Because they're going to adjust in the second half. They're going to talk about you in the locker room, and then they're going to come out and put the clamps down. Um, that a lot of that is an inexperienced quarterback, too. Um, you know, as the defensive line starts to get more involved and more active, um, it's it's easy to understand how a defense presses up, makes things a little bit harder, um, and then forces him into the one mistake of the day. But he also, he was kind of reckless there late in that game and was lucky there wasn't at least one more pick, if not even two. So um, I loved what Oklahoma State did. Again, I go back to that original point. I understand why they didn't adjust because I think Baron Morton was the surprise of the day and he's still kind of been the talk of that game. Like okay, Tech's got a quarterback now because I don't, I don't think they believed Donovan Smith was going to light them up to the tune of what Baron Morton was able to. So I get why they did that.
2: Yeah, and I don't think they knew he could scramble like no. that. And I was very impressed with his accuracy, which you've already mentioned on the run. Kinda, yeah, yeah, it it kind of sucks for him that he you know got hit. I think it was late in the first half and messed up his ankle. You could tell by the end of the game it was really bothering him, especially when he started to get hit more. I think he's going to be a good player. I I'll be interested to see there's some things I like I said, the staring down the receivers, some of those things I think he'll probably need to work on. But I, I do think he's a really good player in his first start, really highly touted recruit. I just think like you mentioned, you know, we can we can pick these things apart all game. And you know, I got on to you know saying you can't really do that last game <laughs> in the review about Baylor, but you know, he had the fumble that his team got yeah. back. He had the Colin Oliver's hitting him and he's barely able to make that into a pass as opposed to a fumble. Yeah. Right. Daniels targeting was pretty much in the end zone and it was also on third down, you know, so Roger Thompson fumbles and gets it back. There's a couple, of, I had him with a few turnover worthy plays like you just, like you just noted. And then he does have the one pick. So not only did he have a solid game, he got lucky a few times. Oh, definitely. So I think it could I think it could have been a little bit a little bit even more of a dominant performance by the defense in the second half if a couple things go their way. And you know, Kendall Dandles hits hits him a little bit lower, which no fault to Kendall. He made a great play. I think it even looks a little bit more dominant from the defense. But if you even just looking at the stats, you know, Tech with 347 yards of total offense in the first half in the second half, only 180. And I think like 50 of them were on that first drive where they came out. Gundy mentioned this, but they come out and they run this trip set where two, the two like inside receivers run straight at the yep. corner and the safety and the outside guy cuts underneath them. So it's kind of like a pick play run that for a big game. Jabbar gets picked by his own teammate and then they come back they get like a 20 yard gain. They come back and they flip the formation to the other side of the field and run the exact same place. So they get 40 yards off of this play. <laughs> they haven't shown all game. And then the defense locks them down after that. But I, I did think I did like that. Joey McGuire uh, and Kitley came out with that. I thought that was pretty funny. After yeah. And, and Oklahoma state adjusted to what they were doing. The yeah. Gundy's match.
1: comment <laughs> was they, we adjusted to them and they adjusted to us and yeah, it, it was funny. That was a great comment.
2: I think that was like your, you know, Flag intramural flag football team drawing up a play at halftime to come out and use. Cause they went straight back to what their game plan was after that. So I think that was, that was just something they thought about at halftime, but yeah, I, I liked, uh, I did like them mixing in some of the different coverages and things like that. I think there was still some bus, still some guys not in the right spot in their zones, but you can tell they're beginning to learn a little bit more. And the fact that Mason, you know, had the confidence to call some of these coverages we haven't seen much of yet. It made me feel a little bit better, even if they're not running them a hundred percent correctly, but just getting into the defensive units, defensive line at the beginning of the game, I was getting a little frustrated, kid, you know, they couldn't really get to them. It was the quick passing, the kind of Blake shaping big 12 championship game. But as the game wore on, the defensive line started to feast. Yeah. And when you're rotating in, two leos you're gonna get you're gonna be able to get ben Kapinski some snaps and when ben Kapinski gets snaps i'm freak. always having a good time yeah a- <laughs> so if they, if they stay in this 245 kate i think you're gonna see a lot more Kapinsky because they're playing two leos at the same time you got to get these guys blows they're going 100 miles an hour every snap at the quarterback
1: yeah Kapinsky plays like snapper. he plays like a crazy man um, and it was really interesting. You noted this in the game thread. It's something I noticed live like Kapinski and, and the Leos did this several times, but they'd be on the edge one down tech would go fast and Kapinski or whoever the Leo is would be over like where, you know, a, a middle linebacker would theoretically be standing in a four three. It was very interesting to see how they kind of adjusted as Texas tech went fast um, I, I loved the game plan, but yeah, you're exactly right. You'd love to have Colin Oliver and Trace Ford and Brock Martin on the field more, but they gave they played 104 snaps. they can't play every down, and this is more to the like to the tune of like Texas Tech went for seven fourth downs. They converted several third and longs. Um, if they don't do that. This looks a whole lot different, I think. I think this defensive line in the second half was going to get after it, and they already did. But I think if they were able to get off the field a couple of more times, th- this was going to look even more dominant.:
2: Yeah, and Gundy even mentioned he wants Kapinski to play more.
1: So I, I don't know how you think. I don't know how you take playing time away from anybody, but again, his motor is unreal
2: well they still all got a bunch of snaps because they're playing the two four five I mean Oliver got 57 Kapinski got 38 you know Trace Ford with 47 yeah so they still got a ton of snaps I mean there was just so many defensive snaps in that game like you said 104 plays from tech um D I really I think my only gripe on them and Gundy has called it out, not only in his radio shows when talking about the Leos at times, he's called it out in some of his OSU max film reviews. I think it's more, I've noticed it more with Martin and Oliver and I've, and it's obviously happens a lot when there's tempo. So it's tough. I'm not saying it's not tough for them to do this, but they get a little maybe too inside on their alignments or they'll get caught kind of peeking inside at the snap And the play will get busted to the outside and the safety is not able to get down fast enough, especially if, you know, if Oklahoma State is strategically playing their safety a little bit higher to stop some things in the passing game, Martin Oliver and whoever's at Leo, they've got to be sound and kind of setting that edge. And I get peeking inside because when Brock Martin does it, sometimes he's able to either get right by the tackle and make a sack if it's a pass play Or get inside and get to the running back before he can get outside. I think they just cheat maybe a little too much. Sometimes they're not aligned correctly. I guess I would like in kind of where they're at on the defensive line. I didn't see it happen a ton in the second half, but it's it's just something I've noticed. If I'm going to have one gripe on the Leos, and it leads to some big runs to the perimeter, they don't do it a ton. It's just Oklahoma State's giving up. You know, in this game, what they have like a ridiculous amount of 10 plus like it was like eight or something runs of 10 or more yards. Yeah. Eight of runs of 10 or more yards and you just can't do that. They've got to limit these big runs. I mean, if it, if a team's going to run it a million times to get two, three, you know, however many yards here and there, but they can't keep gashing you for these big runs like Thompson and Morton were on Saturday. I think it's gotta be something they clean up. and I, I think it starts with the Leo's.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a great point, Dustin. It's not something that I had really noticed, but it's a great call out and something that I mean, TCU is going to look to exploit that with with the way the quarterback can run down there, Max Duggan. Um, they will look to exploit that on the edge. So very interesting, though. What do you think about the linebackers? I mean, Xavier Benson, second in the team in in total tackles. I again, I feel like he continues to be. Better at being in the right place at the right time. And Mason Cobb, obviously, with the interception, uh, really one of the plays of the day on the defensive side of the football.
2: Yeah, I thought Benson obviously showed his toughness. You know, he goes out of the game twice with injury and comes back in. He's
1: doing that every game. So I don't know how hurt he is. Maybe he's getting a blow, but yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, he's he's definitely like a tough guy and Absolutely. wants to be
2: out there. I think, you know, there's still times he gets washed up in the run game got to be got to continue to be better at reading and reacting but I don't think I I think like you said he's continuing to improve Mason Cobb same thing with him you know there's times in zone coverage he maybe looks a little lost and then there's times where he makes an interception in a huge moment of the game there's times where he maybe gets washed up in the run game and there's times where he tackles the guy on fourth down for a two-yard loss so I, I think what Cobb does is he makes up for maybe some of the the mAs the misassignments with these big plays and with Benson, we notice a little bit more because he's not making I don't think as many big plays as Cobb. I think they're both improving. I thought they played okay. I didn't think it was either of their best games. I, I thought they were both solid. Uh, Cobb obviously a little bit better because he made some huge plays at big moments. I don't. I love Nick Martin's athletic ability. I love his hustle. He looks lost sometimes when he's out there for Benson. And I'm definitely, yeah, I definitely think, you know, Cobb and Benson, they've got to stay healthy with what's behind them. I think the future of the linebacker position looks bright. But I think if, you know, if you were having to go Lamont Bishop, Donovan Stevens, Nick Martin right now, I would be very worried.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I didn't think they were perfect either. Um, but I mean, Mason Cobb looked like Malcolm Rodriguez sliding under that underneath route and oh, making that so interception. Awesome. It was it literally reminded me of the interception that Rodriguez made. I mean, the one. But Notre Dame, Iowa State in 2019, he he made a living off of that. Um, and so I just I loved what he was able to do. You're exactly right. Benson continues to kind of get walled off in some of those run plays. I feel like, again, he's athletic enough, sideline to sideline, that he makes plays that maybe he shouldn't and maybe that others wouldn't. But again, I, I, I just feel like the, the progression is there. I don't think it was their best game either, but I do like what I'm seeing. Um, and again, not to look ahead, but now we can do that. Going to be extremely important that they're sound this week against a team that really likes to run the ball and then throw it over the middle. Like that, that they're going to have to be really good this week. They're going to have to be better than last week.
2: Yeah. I, I think the thing was in the first half, I think everybody maybe just in it could have been how they were kind of scheming up to play tech, but it seemed like the linebackers and even the safeties were a little timid to come down and really stop the run or kind of make a read looked like they were a little concerned about some of that read zone read that we've seen Smith run some of the quarterback run game and we didn't see a ton of designed runs from Morton. So they could have probably been a little bit more aggressive, but they were preparing for Smith. So I get it, but that was something I kind of noticed early. And then in the second half, I think the linebackers, since we're talking about them played a lot better and the safeties, especially, you know, Kendall Daniels, Sean, Michael Flanagan, Flanagan, Jason Taylor, they're coming up and making big hits in the run game, and they're coming up playing a little bit closer to these slot receivers and making some plays in the pass game. You know, we saw Jason Taylor with a pass breakup on an out route. I think he had a new career high in tackles with 10. So I I really liked what I saw from the safeties as the game wore on. The Kendall Daniels targeting, I think, you know, we've, we've talked up Shawn Michael Flanagan on here but Keanu Daniels has made big plays in almost every game. He's had some misassignments as well. Like Gundy mentioned he would before the season. I think not having him for the first half against TCU, it's not a game changing loss, but I do think it's a significant loss and it, I'm going to be very happy when he straps that helmet on and comes out in the third quarter.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And especially after getting in uh, two quarters worth of film and those second half adjustments that Derek Mason has shown that he can make. Um, he will be definitely welcomed back with open arms, whether you love the call or not. I mean, I, I I understand why it was called, but just, I don't know. It's, it sucks. So, and I I don't love the, you got to have to me, give me 20 seconds to talk about targeting. You got to have like a targeting one and a targeting two. Like if it's egregious, then they're out for the second half of the game, but it's, it's terrible that we're removing kids and then punishing them the next week for an unintentional play. That's it. That's all I'm going to say about it. But I agree with what you're saying. Again, I, I I worry about Oklahoma State's ability. The safeties coming down, as you just laid out, they were a little worried about some of those runs that uh, Baron Morton could do. Well, Max Duggan can do them, so you really hope that they're sound in that regard. It means the defensive line and the linebackers are going to have to eat. Right. I mean,
3: they're they're yeah. going to have to be good.
2: Man, and something I I was thinking about too when thinking about Daniels being out for the first half You know, Ray Gay is out with injury who backs yeah. up Thomas Harker Thomas played a hundred snaps Jason Taylor played every single snap in this game he did that Crazy. against Arizona State as well you know and now you've got Candle Daniels out for the first half so you've got Taylor Harper and Shawn Michael Flanagan and not much behind them heading into the first half of this TCU game so you know not only do they need to play well but you got to stay healthy you got to it and you gotta be conditioned to be able to do have that many snaps. You know, Shawn Michael Flanagan's been rotating in and out with Daniels. They've kind of split it about 50 50. So he's got to be ready to go. I don't know if Gay will be back, but Harper's been playing a lot. I don't know if we'll see maybe more of the three linebackers on the field take Harper off, not only to, you know, show TCU a different look, but just to get Harper a blow. Cause these guys are playing a ton of snaps. I know Jason Taylor can handle it. He's one of the he's an athletic freak. I mean you've seen it if you watch any OSU Max video you know he really takes pride in his conditioning and athleticism if you've ever heard him get asked about that so not too worried about him but those other guys I mean they're playing a lot of snaps and there's it's get there's a lot of safeties on this roster but not a lot of experienced ones so that's something you know maybe to think about as we move forward but speaking of Harper I thought he played a pretty Man, good Man I
1: I was I was just about to bring Harper up hasn't he been I mean, to me, quietly he's been good, better than I expected. He's he's yeah. been, um, outside of, um, Jason Taylor, I would say he's been the second most reliable player in this secondary this season, and he had to be. We talked a lot about him in the off season. He had to step up, and he's done a very nice job. I think obviously, ceiling is higher with with a couple of players in the secondary, Kendall Daniels, obviously, but I think he's been he's been. Really good so far.
2: Yeah, I, I think there were some issues early on in the season. We saw maybe a couple of times him getting beat by tight ends, him getting beat on some quick routes, but we haven't even seen him really get thrown at a lot. You know, he has some help every now and then. Sometimes they're bracketing the slot guy that he's on with another safety, but I, I think he's played really well. He's had some issues tackling on the perimeter, and that's something I think he's. Got to improve on. We saw it in this game. We saw it in the Baylor game. Those are really tough tackles, but he's still got to make them when he gets out there in space. And I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to go low, grab, wrap, flip the guy down, you know, be able to at least get a wrap on into where somebody can come and finish, like finish the tackle over there on the side. But I just think that too many missed tackles from him in the first half of this game. That's one thing he's got to clean up in coverage, though. I think he's been pretty good. And, you know, he's playing a lot of snaps. So if he's missing a tackle late, it's probably because he's played a hundred snaps. But that's the one area I think he's got to improve on. And then I, I thought Daniels and Shawn Michael Flanagan, you, you you see Shawn Michael Flanagan, I think his misses are more because he maybe isn't as athletic of a specimen as Daniels. And they're asking him to do the same thing because he's a very smart player. Where on Daniels, on the other hand, his are more youth inexperience. He just needs more reps, but he's got the athletic ability. If you could like squish them into one person, (laughs) it'd be like the best safety in the country. Yeah.
1: Well, we can't, but maybe we should pitch that. So, I mean, health, health in the secondary, obviously crucial. I don't know anything about Ray Gay's injury, but it happened. I think, did it happen in the Baylor game or in the pine bluff game? Because I thought he was out against Baylor too.
2: I think it happened in Pine Bluff. I, I actually don't know much about it either. I just know that I've heard it mentioned now several times, and Gundy and Dave Hunziker even talked about it as well.
1: Yeah, I think it was in Pine Bluff because I remember hearing Mike Gundy just kind of offhandedly say, we need to get Ray Gay back, and I'm, I'm almost positive that was before the Baylor game. I digress. It's important to get him back, though. It didn't sound like when he talked about it that it was anything significant, but you, you just never know. So... Regardless, Dustin, I I thought anything else on the defense before we kind of wrap this up?
2: I think we just got to hit on Jabbar for a second and Cam Smith. Jabbar Muhammad, Baron Morton was throwing at him pretty much all game. And besides that one pass at the beginning of the second half that we talked about earlier on that play, that that route concept they hadn't run yet, where he got kind of screened by his own player, he didn't give up anything maybe like one other catch that gained any good amount of yards, but he had like four pass breakups. He had some good tackles. He had the one missed tackle, I think in the second half, but I thought all around that was one of Jabbar Muhammad's best games. And if he plays like that, that's an all big 12 cornerback that we talked about preseason he was awesome and then musical chairs at the other corner yeah, because Corey Black goes down then demarco goes down so you get our guy dj mckinney adam luntz guy get some snaps cam smith get some snaps I thought Smith played pretty well, all things considered. He got beat a couple of times, but those are like his first real snaps in a conference game ever. <laughs> but I just wanted to mention Jabbar again. I know we talked about him a little bit earlier, but I thought that no, was I, a fantastic game from him.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you did. And I, I thought Cam Smith did as good as you could possibly expect from a freshman in that situation. Um, it sounds like Corey's injury is not overly significant. Same with Demarco Jones. So hopefully he gets some of those guys back. Get everybody in a walking boot. I know it's I know several guys, you know, uh, walking around campus with some precautionary um, devices on them, walking boots, slings. It sounds like everybody's kind of okay. It's just precautionary. But it's a long season. This is going back to that bye week being right before uh, the start of conference play this is kind of why that sucks because you, you want that break maybe right before Texas, right before K-State. so
2: Yeah, I agree. And, yeah, just to list them off, you know, Braden Johnson, head injury, Preston Wilson's lower leg, Corey Black's hamstring, DeMarco Jones' arm, shoulder, Xavier Benson with a leg injury, Spencer Sanders with the shoulder, Tyler Lacey limped off late. I haven't seen many people mention that, but it was near the end of the game. So we'll see. I, I, I'd i expect everybody to play. If somebody gets held out, I, I, Wilson looked a little gimpy coming out. And then Brayden Johnson, if it's ahead, they're probably going to be pretty cautious with that. So those would be maybe the two guys I would key on, but we'll see. It sounds like most everybody is in good enough shape to play, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a big thing to highlight. Uh, Oklahoma state, obviously, Going to TCU, one of the one of the biggest games of the year. Uh, maybe didn't expect that headed into conference play, but it has become that. So, I mean, injuries, you know, somewhat piling up on the Cowboys this last week, but hopefully none of them of any significant severity. Dustin, any final thoughts on Texas Tech before we move on? Let's let's get to Fort Worth.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say, yay, special teams. Tanner
1: Brown, uh, Demarco <laughs> with the fair catch. Hey, Tom um, Jay- Hutton punting again. Jaden Nixon was one block away from doing it again. One block. He's
2: got great vision on those kick returns and he's so fast.
1: Yeah. Uh, But yeah,
2: special teams. Great. Again, not, not a ton really to break down from this one. I don't think on it, just, you know, solid kicking, smart play on the onside kick.
1: Great punting again. Yep. Jake, that was for you. All right, Dustin,
2: let's,
3: let's
1: move on to TCU. Before we do that, let's take a break and hear a quick word from one of our sponsors. Check out Home Field Apparel's new Oklahoma State line. I don't know if you have. I know Dustin and I both are rocking the new Home Field Apparel shirts that have just gone live on their website at homefieldapparel.com. I mean, the curse of cowboys across the chest is absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if you guys have seen the Pistol Patty t-shirt, but it is great as well. And Home Field Apparel is doing phenomenal stuff, even outside of Oklahoma State sports. If you go on their website right now, you can see potential future Big 12 members, Colorado, with a throwback t-shirt on their website. I'm just a big fan of Homefield stuff, and the quality is unbelievable. So check them out at homefieldapparel.com, and when you use our promo code FEELS12, you actually will get a discount. That's right, FEELS12 will get you 15% off your first order when you use our promo code FEELS12 at homefieldapparel.com. Check them out right now, and tell them that the Feels Like 45 podcast section... All right Dustin, welcome back. I mean the TCU Hornfrogs are outside of Oklahoma State. Maybe the talk of the big 12 right now? Well, outside of Oklahoma, obviously, <laughs> being three and three and being one of the worst Oklahoma football teams to ever play. Um, TCU, a big surprise in the big 12. Chandler Morris goes down in that Colorado game with an injury, has not come back, but Max Duggan has taken kind of the senior leap that we've seen Spencer Sanders take and has looked as good as anybody in the country right now. There's some questions around who TCU has played um, for me. like, Have they really been tested the way Oklahoma State can test them this week? I don't think so, but you have to give some credit to what Sonny Dykes has been able to do so far this season. The offense is explosive. Defense leaves a little bit to be desired, maybe some steps back, from what Gary Patterson uh, showed at TCU. But all in all, I mean, TCU absolutely deserving of that number 13 rank, but they're going to get a test in Oklahoma State as, as they come to Fort Worth this week.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think I agree with you on that schedule. You know, they played Colorado, who I don't think has won a game. Tarleton State, SMU, who's not looked great this season. OU, who they absolutely destroyed, who isn't very good. Everybody's
1: absolutely K- destroying them. So,
2: <laughs> And then KU and they knock Jalen Daniels out uh, with like three minutes left in the first half, so they get Jason Bean in the second. And I thought Kansas is a pretty solid team they from are the looks of it so far. And that was the first time I think TCU got tested, and we saw some holes in this defense that we thought maybe existed, but we hadn't really seen them really exposed by another team of that caliber. And I thought they were, I, you know, they only gave up 31, but I thought there were some big plays and Kansas kind of shot themselves in the foot a few times. You know, Daniels fumbles on the goal line early oh, in that God. game. There's Bean throwing one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. <laughs> no idea who he's throwing it to and why he threw it so softly. But yeah, so I, I watched, I was able to watch the KU game the OU game and the SMU game. Tarleton State obviously didn't watch that because it was 59-17. And then Colorado Chandler Morris started, so wanted to throw that one out there. So I was able to watch those three games. And I am impressed with some of the things that TCU does. I mean, Kate, do you want to get started on the offense?
1: Yeah, I I definitely do because, because it's been so impressive. They're putting up yards. They're putting up points. But I'm curious what you've seen in kind of your review for what Oklahoma State can expect.
2: Yeah, so I won't have time. I know I got asked about it on Twitter. I won't have time this week to do the opponent film preview. I'll try to get those up most weeks. Normally, I'll have a little bit of time, but uh got some things going on outside of the podcast life that uh, are taking up my... Yeah, I'm just making excuses, actually. No kidding. No
1: so, kidding.
2: Uh, but yeah, TCU's offense, Sonny Dykes, you know, I'm sure everybody knows this has paid attention to Sonny Dykes at all. He comes from the air raid tree he's got Garrett Riley, Lincoln Riley's little brother, as his offensive coordinator and they run their version of the power raid. My favorite uh my favorite offensive terminology what that is is basically some people call Oklahoma State's offense that it's not, but that that is something you'll hear at times <laughs> labeled by, you know, some of the media members. It's basically the air air raid principles, the base air raid principles of the passing game, but they want to run the football. They want to do GT counter. They want to do GH counter split zone jet sweeps. They want to get the zone read game involved, not a ton of play action, but they'll definitely do the wide receiver screens, RPOs it's high 10 and 11 personnel, but with the power raid, you're also getting 12 personnel in there, maybe even some 13 personnel. And then they'll also do some split back stuff with 20, they love going trips. They love going trips into the boundary. They love throwing wide receiver screens to Darius Davis yes. over the middle to Quentin Johnson. So, Cade, what they did against KU was a lot different in the passing game than what they did against OU and SMU. And obviously, there's different schemes from those defense things like that. But Quentin Johnson did not have very many yards or receptions going into that KU game, and they targeted him like 62 times. So really what they were doing in the games before that was getting it to Gunnar Henderson and Darius Davis their and Tay Barber, those guys that play on the inside. And I think they made him more of a focal point to throw the ball to Johnson on the outside and over the middle. And it worked against KU because he had a huge day. But Duggan's extremely accurate on the deep balls. He's very fast. If you want a, you want a comparison to kind of his running ability, I'd say Spencer Sanders. He is an instructor extremely talented runner not as good as Sanders but probably maybe just as fast and he's very very talented so they uh they do some different things they kind of had a different running scheme in all the games i watched you know they went heavy zone against SMU against OU they came out and ran a ton of gt counter i don't know right. if that was garrett giving a shout out to his brother lincoln playing against his old school <laughs> and then against kansas they mixed in a little bit of both so It's kind of a, I don't know what their true identity is in the run game, but they can do a little of everything and their run blocking has actually been great where I think their issue has been is overall pass protection. Not that they've given up a ton of sacks, but Duggan has been pressured and that's where kind of they get into some trouble.
1: I mean, phenomenal breakdown, Dustin TCU's wide receivers really impressed me. Quentin Johnson's a freak has been for years. Um, That KU game was the first time he had really jumped on the scene this year. Um, And it's not shocking, but it is like, hmm, how did they figure that out? Because with Darius Davis, he's he's made plays all year. Not a volume guy, though. Like, they're not throwing at him 15 times a game. He's really almost kind of a gadget-type player who – may score on you if he touches the ball, but he's not a volume type of guy. And so it's almost like if you can contain Quentin Johnston, you can make things a little bit harder on TCU, but that's, that's easier said than done because, I mean, they still got Tay Barber on the on side. I mean, they're they they're pretty deep at wide receiver, and they have been for a long time. And I think that's what teams have tried to
2: do to them, take away Quentin Johnston. And what they've done is they've fed Barber, Henderson, in Davis at that H wide receiver position and even gotten Savion Williams at the Z mixed into mixed in there as well. And they've got a lot of guys. I like, I, you know, there's guys even like uh Jaquarius, Sp- Jaquarius Fivey, who's pretty good. They've got Jordan Hudson, Jared Wiley, they're tied in. They don't throw it to him a lot, but he can catch. So there's other guys besides Johnson, but you could tell in that KU game, they were getting him the ball and they didn't want, they didn't care what KU did to try to stop it. And it worked. I think he caught like 12 of those 16 targets. So that was kind of their game plan there. Like I said, though, their offensive line, Allen Ali at center transferred in. He's really talented. Steve Avila, really, really solid at their left guard spot. And pretty much the whole line has been able to run block well. They're all really good pullers. As we talked about with GT counter, GH counter, Wiley has blocked well. The issue has been from what I've seen is Andrew Coker at right tackle and Brandon Coleman at left tackle and Coleman actually missed one of the games I saw Michael Nichols played. They've struggled with speed on the edge and I think it's something Oklahoma State can exploit in pass protection and Wes Harris at the right guard has had some issues kind of picking up stunts working in like an in stride with Ali at center kind of in that pass protection as a group. I think those are kind of their weak spots and I think it's something Oklahoma State's going to look to exploit. And they've got the personnel to do it with the guys, you know, we talk about all the time at the Leo spots and even some of the interior guys that we've seen come on, like a C my guy, Colin clay getting some reps for Brendan Evers and doing the most with those snaps in the Texas tech game. So we'll kind of see what TCU wants to do in the passing game, but those are kind of their main guys that they're going to look for. And
1: Maybe they try to feed Quentin Johnson again. Johnson again. Well, you know, and that's that's interesting that you say that. You look at you know just box scores and the way these games shook out. SMU got to Max Duggan five times. They sacked him five times. But against Oklahoma and KU, one sack apiece in those games. So that offensive line number one, OU and KU, not necessarily being regarded highly like at all, and not being highly regarded for any pass rushers or their defensive lines this year Two really probably bottom units in the big 12, uh, on the defensive line. But SMU got after him five times. I'm curious to see what Oklahoma state's able to do and how aggressive they're going to want to get. Like, do they bring extra? I, I I'm skeptical of that because of max Duggan's ability to get out of the pocket and, punish you i mean they they were able to run for 360 yards against UK. you did a much better job against them on the ground um i i would think oklahoma state's probably more interested in just keeping everything in front of them and if t- if tcu wants to go on 80 yard drives so be it but I, w- I would think that it's less aggressive and more let's try to win one-on-one battles up front and see if we can contain them for enough plays and allow chunk yardage as as it comes.
2: Yeah, and you're talking about the run game. Maybe this is just me, kid. You know, I'm in my little bubble where I'm just watching OSU's (laughs) opponents, OSU and LSU games. But is Kendra Miller the most underrated player in the country?
1: Absolutely. I I would even say that Imari DiMarcado is underrated by a lot of Big 12 fans. Absolutely though. Kendry Miller's fantastic and has been.
2: He's what's happening in these games is you know, I'm saying the offensive line's run blocking really really well. Even when they're not, he's not going down on first contact. And something else that I've noticed he's really good at when they do run inside zone or an interior run, he is fast enough and has the agility to to see it's clogged up in the middle and bounce it to the outside, but in kind of a smart way, you know, you'll see like when running backs first come out of high school and get up to the college level, these guys want to bounce everything outside because they were able to do that in high school and bust it for a 60 yard gain. Well, it's not always the right option, but Kendra Miller knows when to do it. He does it well. And then he has the side to side movement, the lateral agility to make a guy miss in space and then he's off to the races, but he's also fine with running through you. Yep. So we've seen Oklahoma State have some tackling. You know, They tackled really well in the second half against Texas Tech, but maybe not so great in the first half. Again, there was a lot of plays in that game. We've seen them have some issues with tackling this year. If they have issues with tackling Miller, he's going to bust some huge runs, and it's going to be a long day for our defense.
1: It's a great point. I, I went down the box score and looked. The four power five, well, I'm sorry, SMU is not power five, but let's go Colorado, SMU, O U K U. six and a half yards on average, 8.4 yards a carry, 10 and a half yards a carry, and five yards a carry. So there's your number. Under five, and Oklahoma State probably feels really good about the way they defended him because <laughs> nobody's done it yet.
2: Yeah, I agree. And D, like you said, DeMarcado, he's actually a really good pass protector. I think he was the only healthy back last year when OSU played he, TCU. He was.
1: He played quite a bit.
2: He's solid. Miller's been getting a bulk of the snaps. Um, they've got actually, a, I think their depth chart, they list like eight ors at the running back position. So <laughs> they've got a lot of depth there, a lot of guys that they like. But yeah, this offense kind of runs with the guy we've already talked about, Max Duggan. He's a great runner. Throws the deep ball really well. He's not afraid to rip it over the middle, and you can get him into some kind of confusion disguises and make him force it into spots that maybe he shouldn't. I think that's what Oklahoma State's going to need to do. Maybe, you know, we've seen them do some of that inverted Tampa 2, maybe run some kind of robber coverage in the secondary where a safety's coming down to take that middle hook late kind of disguise it. And I think you could get Duggan into some trouble, but he's a really talented quarterback. And I, I'm not a hundred percent sure what Oklahoma state's game plan is going to be to stop this offense. I'm not saying it's the best offense of all time, but they've got a lot of spots that they can hurt you. Miller's a great running back. Duggan can run and throw the deep ball. They've got guys like Quentin Johnson who can catch the ball downfield and contest the catch situations. They've got three talented slot receivers. I think it's going to be Oklahoma State picking what they want to do, whether it's attack I Duggan, agree. which we haven't seen many teams do, like SMU did, and they got the five sacks. Attack Duggan, you know, load up and stop the run, play back the top-down Derek Mason defense, not get beat deep. I think they're just going to have to pick something, commit to it, and try to take something away from the
1: CCU offense. And like you said, make them make a mistake. Yeah. Who, who matches up with Quentin Johnson? do You think? I mean, that's, that's Jabbar Muhammad normally, but well, is, they're going to, I mean, Oklahoma state normally does their right and left. Yeah. I mean, that's, corners. A, they that's a great that's a point. Maybe Corey they do, black but, though. Corey black. I mean, Jabbar Muhammad at five, 10 on a good day <laughs> against Quentin yeah. Johnson at six, four, that's going to present some issues just right there. Um, I would think that that would be something to try to avoid, but at the same time, you're exactly right. Oklahoma State doesn't necessarily chase down receivers with matchups. You, it's a great point, but it's something to watch.
2: If if Cam Smith has to start, maybe they do. Maybe they have Jabbar kind of follow. I mean, that would be interesting to watch. I, I think what they're going to try to do, I, I think they do send a little bit of pressure at Duggan. We may even see some of what I talked about earlier where the Leos kind of drop off into coverage. They have that Leo in that middle linebacker spot that you talked about to keep an eye on Duggan, but to also help help out with that interior run game. The linebackers are going to have to be super sound, especially with these pulling linemen. They're not going to be able to get taken out of the play by these pullers. They're going to have to know when they're coming, get around the block or in Mason Cobb's case, maybe just run straight through the guy because he's strong enough to do that. And I think you're going to need... In the first half, it's going to be all on Shawn Michael Flanagan. In the second thing, it's going to be both. But they're going to need to, and Jason Taylor, play a big part in stopping this run game while also keeping an eye on the deep ball. It's a lot to ask, but I think this Oklahoma State defense can can have some success against TCU.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I Again, I, I have a lot of respect for Max Duggan's open field ability as a runner, but I don't think he's you know, kind of a pull it down and, and crush you with his legs in the way that Spencer Sanders can move side to side. I think Duggan needs a little more room to get going. But once he does, he's as fast as anybody. But I, I think that he doesn't present necessarily the same like hard to bring down. Um, and, and those will be my famous last words. This will be our audio clip on Twitter and I'll get roasted for it as Duggan goes for 80. But my point is, um, I, I think Oklahoma State can contain him if they're sound in their gaps. But if I mean, if they're not, obviously not, it's not going to go well. So, I mean, TCU presents a big time challenge. I mean, we saw what Baylor was able to do to him at, at times. Um, so, I, I'm I'm curious to see how this goes. All right, Dustin, let's go ahead and move on to the defensive side of the football. Oklahoma State, I think, has a really nice opportunity here offensively. TCU has not looked great. Granted, they've played some pretty decent offenses in SMU and KU, but I think Oklahoma State's got an opportunity here to rack up some yards and some points.
2: Yeah, this is where you win the game, I think. You know, we talked about how T- TCU's offenses might be kind of a struggle for Oklahoma State's defense this week, but I think Oklahoma State can really exploit this defense. Our old pal, Joe Gillespie from Tulsa, <laughs> Oklahoma State's faced him three times when he was the defensive coordinator at Tulsa if you want to kind of just envision what this TCU defense is going to look like, if you haven't watched them play and you don't remember those Tulsa teams, I would think Iowa state it's kind of derived from the three, four defenses of like the eighties and nineties, but it's that three, three five with that three down lineman. Look, they'll sometimes bring their strong side linebacker up near the line of scrimmage where it looks more like an Oklahoma state three down with the Leo but it's typically three down-line men. And what they want to do is clog up the middle, spill the ball to the outside, and have their perimeter edge players and their second, their second third-level guys come down and make the play. Their safeties are really involved in the run game. He does a lot of different stuff in coverage. You'll see cover one. You'll see cover three match. You'll see cover four. I think I saw some cover two. Tampa two as well. He'll mug the linebackers. There's not a ton of true blitzing. I don't know if that changes with how he saw Texas Tech play and maybe have a little success with that against Oklahoma State last week, but it's going to be your Iowa State 3-3-5. The cornerbacks are extremely physical. Hodges Tomlinson, I think, was flagged for five defensive pass interference in the three games I watched. Um, Abe Kamara at safety is really solid Hodge, Winters, great linebackers. Dylan Horton's a beast at defensive end. Dominic Williams, their young uh, nose tackle is like 800 pounds, just clogging up the middle, and he's like 18 years old. But that that's kind of their – I mean, we've talked about this type of defense so many times, I'm not going to break down the scheme too much. Yeah, right, it's right. going to be that Tulsa, that Iowa State, three, three, five. 3 I, I love Gloseby. I love his defenses. We've seen Oklahoma State struggle against it in the past. But seeing it so many times and seeing some of the busts that they've had on defense in the three games I've watched, I think there's some things Oklahoma State can exploit.
1: Well, and doesn't it really set up well for, I mean, if Oklahoma State can't run the ball, this is going to be a, a hard day. But if they can, and I think they will be able to, this sets up really well. I mean, you against that three three five defense, you have to be able to run the ball when you want to run the football. So that sets up to pull maybe some of these safeties who have had issues this year up to the line of scrimmage and beat them over the top. Or even if you don't beat them over the top, get Travis Hodges Tomlinson to pull on Jaden Bray again and, and get a DPI. I think there's a lot of things that Oklahoma state can do here, but Oklahoma state has struggled with against three, three fives. We've also seen their offense look uh, like it was kind of geared to beat a three, three, five at times, the way they could be physical up front, And then throw the ball deep to the corners or or deep post like Oklahoma State. I feel like for as many times as they've struggled, they've also looked really good against defenses like this when they can run the ball. Um, And I just don't know if TCU has enough up front for a full game against an Oklahoma State team that wants to run the ball.
2: Right. And I'm sure the thought is, you know, how do you run outside zone? How do you run that split zone or bluff? How do you run the perimeter runs against a defense that wants you to spill the ball outside? Well, there's things you can do, and things that we've seen Oklahoma State do in the past against like an Iowa State. We've seen Kansas do it last week against TCU. You could have the cowboy back release straight up to the safety on outside zone. You can have the cowboy back release out, you know, when he's blocking for Sanders on that split zone bluff just go attack the cornerback. You can have a wide receiver kind of, we've seen Brendan Presley do this crack back on a safety that's coming down on the run. So there's ways you can block these second and third level guys to open up those perimeter runs still. And then when you're running it up the middle for inside zone, there's going to be some cutback lanes, especially when the middle is clogged up and you've got to be able to make guys miss in space. And that's where we talked about this earlier. Maybe, we see Jaden Nixon, maybe we see Ollie Gordon get some more snaps. Maybe we see some more kind of zone read with maybe the B gap player, as opposed to the edge guy with Spencer Sanders and getting some of your shiftier guys runs. If you're going to, whenever you're trying to go more towards the interior of the defense, because if they're able to get to the second and third level, a Nixon or a Gordon and make a guy miss, you could be running all day because these safeties are coming so hard down on the run. The problem is we we haven't seen Oklahoma State be able to bust, you know, we said no rush of nine yards against Texas Tech, bust these long runs. So maybe we see some other running backs mixed in there, or maybe we see a concerted effort from Dom to instead of run through people, try to make guys miss because I know he has the skills to do that, but there's some different ways you can run the ball. And I think we see Oklahoma State use some motion like they did last game, maybe even some jet sweeps thrown in there. I think we see a lot of shifting by the Cowboy back and the running back pre snap. Yep. You know, we've seen them do that to teams because when you have the three defensive linemen, if you can get them moving, you can kind of pick a point of attack for your running lane. I think we see a lot of that. I mean, I could be completely wrong, like I was with the Oklahoma State defensive plan against Texas Tech, which maybe <laughs> they should have listened to me. But I think there's things that you can attack on this defense in the run game. And I wouldn't get scared of the oh, Iowa State spilled the outside, there. we're not gonna be able to run outside I think they're gonna figure out ways to do it. And some some of the things I mentioned maybe ways they could.
1: I mean, I love it. And I, you know, I look back at the way Oklahoma State was able to run the ball against Texas in that second half last year. That's another 3-3-5 three, three, uh, defense that, I mean, Oklahoma State just road-graded them, but what did they have last year that they don't have this year? Jalen Warren and a running back that can make you miss. So I think you're on to something there. I don't know if it's Jaden Nixon. It feels like it's Ollie Gordon. Does he get, you know, 10 to 12, maybe maybe they, uh, a lion's share the carries in this game, but you're going to have to have somebody who – either can make guys miss or run through you. And I, I think they've got both of those. Um, but, you know, again, I love Dom. If he can get to that second level, he's stronger than everybody there. So I, I like him being able to run through guys and a little thunder and lightning approach against a three three five 3 defense is, is not a bad idea. I mean, what, do you, what do you think they're going to be able to do on the perimeter? Do you think that, I mean, these corners pose a challenge to Oklahoma State's receivers – but if they're able to run the football, what, what do you think they're able to do?
2: So against KU, TCU was giving the slot receiver some cushion. And I think, is it Skinner in Kansas? That's, that's right. The slot, yeah, yeah, their I slot see, receiver. Yeah. He had a big day. And, you know, they hit him a lot on those quick out routes that Sanders loves to throw to the opposite hash and has the arm to throw. I'm not sure if TCU is going to go into the Oklahoma State game and let Oklahoma State have that throw with guys like Brendan Presley and John yeah. Paul Richardson when they've shown what they can do to teams like Baylor. So I, I think that maybe they change their game plan up a little bit, but if that's open, I think you got to take it. And even though they run their three high safety look at times, there's going to be opportunities one on one against Josh Newton against Hodges Tomlinson, who if you don't know is Ladanian Tomlinson's is it his nephew?
1: Oh, actually, I didn't know that. I don't know I how I didn't th- know that. They're
2: related somehow, but um, so obviously I don't know either. But <laughs> um, but there's going to be one-on-one opportunities, and you know, we talked about it when we talked about Bray. I think Bryson Green's got it down now. You're going to have to be physical. I think this is a game where even if Brayden Johnson is healthy, you're going to need some Bray and Bryson Green in there because these are the kind of – thicker, stronger guys that can be physical with the Hodges Tomlinson and with a Newton and with the slot guys, even if they take away those quick throws, Millard Bradford, Mark Perry, these guys have gotten exposed when they're in man coverage at times this season. They're both solid players, but I think you can win routes against them and get separation in man. So I'd look to kind of, you know, maybe pick on some of them down the field and I mean, TCU's had some great luck when it comes to health on defense. Their starters have played so many snaps, especially when it comes to the linebackers, corners, and safeties. So if, if TCU runs into any trouble there, they're going to be throwing an inexperienced guy out there. I mean, Bud Clark's only played 37 snaps, Noah Daniels 20, Keon Stewart 71, compared to the starters who are playing all around or above 300 snaps total. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. I am a little worried about guys like D. Winters, Jamoy Hodge, Dylan Horton kind of getting to the quarterback, but I, I, they're not as scary as a Baylor and a Texas Tech. Some of these defensive lines with guys like Tyree Wilson that we've seen, I still think they're really good, but I think the offensive line should be able to pass protect better. And I'm expecting a big day from Sanders through the air, but you're going to have to run the football.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's the key here. I, I thought about it all week uh after that tech game and even during it it was like okay that's the staple and if you don't have that that makes a lot of things really tough and against that TCU front you gotta be able to do it. I mean Dustin any any final thoughts here? We we probably should go ahead and wrap up and and put a prediction out there. This is this is a big one. I think I'll go I'll go ahead and go first. The line right now TCU at f- minus four it actually opened at TCU two and a half. So it has gone up I'll throw a a number at you, Dustin. Mike Gundy is 14-3 and in his last 17 games when the spread is plus or minus 3.5. He's 14-3 and straight up. So this is a game that Mike Gundy normally wins. But TCU, four-point favorites, who do you got? I'm going to go
2: Oklahoma State 38, TCU 34.
1: Nail-biter the whole way. You think Oklahoma State just kind of do you think they end up being able to find success running the football?
2: I think I think they maybe get around four point two, which yeah. is uh, you know the number we want to be around. I think they have a pretty good day. I think it's just a, you know maybe not super high scoring because Oklahoma State has shown that they can go tempo but also slow it down. Absolutely, We've seen them do the the check with me. We've seen them kind of do a good job of mixing up the tempo and the check with me. TCU can go tempo as well, but they also will slow it down. I don't think we see hundred and four plays from either team, maybe more near the seventy range. And so I think I think that just leads to a game that's thirty-eight, thirty-four, but feels more high scoring than it really, you know, looks at the end of the day on paper. And I think Oklahoma State's defense is able to do enough to
1: stop TCU's offense and maybe get Duggan to throw a pick. I I think Oklahoma State's been tested more in, in situations like this this season. I think playing Baylor and Texas Tech to open up the conference slate is a more physical opening than TCU has had against Oklahoma and Kansas, and I think it sets up well for Oklahoma State to be able to handle TCU at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Not dominate, but handle, and I love what you said. I mean, if this is a, you know, 70-snap type of game for the Oklahoma State defense, I, I'll take them to win, too, and I'll take them to win anyway, 34-30. to 30. Um, But if it is one of those lower-scoring type of games, I, I, I like Max Duggan to make a mistake, and I like Sonny Dykes to make a mistake. Th- these are the type of games where Mike Gundy's in-game decisions normally play a big factor and it's normally the like the right direction it's either you know kicking that field goal on fourth and one or getting points when you just need points this is usually when a, a new coach will try to do something out of the ordinary and Mike Gundy's not going to do that and so i'll take oklahoma state because of what they're able to find on the ground and i like the coach a little bit better in a situation like this
2: yeah, no, I love it. I, I, I'm i a little worried about the injuries, but if everybody plays, I think Oklahoma State should be able to play. Yeah, that. I
1: mean, if there's a long laundry list of injuries before the game, then everything we just said is like, okay, gets a little more dicey. But, you know, we're, we're going into this with the assumption that most guys are going to go. So,
2: yeah, agreed. Dustin. Hey, okay, should we get to questions?
1: We, we have a, an announcement.
2: Yeah, we, we have we do a, a disclaimer lot
1: a lot of audio questions this week and when i say that i mean it it's it's two digits and so because of that we can't possibly get to every question you guys ask but we have said this before audio questions are going to take precedence over twitter and because we're already probably i mean we're probably over two hours by now we're going to go audio only this week and it's going to be awesome so And if, if you start sending in 20 a week, we're going to have to discuss what we do then, but for now on this week's show, we're going to go with just audio questions and to the people on Twitter, we love you and appreciate you, but I hope you understand.
2: Yeah. And apologies, you know, we didn't get these audio questions until I sent that tweet out. So I I didn't know we were going to have to do this, um, but just due to timing and just overall amount of questions, we really appreciate it. We love the Twitter questions. I'm still going to keep asking for them, but if we continue to get double digit audio questions, we'll probably, like Kate said, we're going to go with those first because people are taking the time to actually send those in with their voice, you know, leaving a message and everything. So uh, we really appreciate everybody's questions. We appreciate the ones we got in the direct messages as well. But this week, we only have time for the audio questions. It's a great problem to have. Thank you guys oh, so yeah. much.
1: You know it. All right, let's go. Here's David. Oh, and actually, I, I should I should remind you that this segment is brought to you by WT Appraisal and WT Appraisal is the premier commercial agriculture appraisal firm throughout the Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas area and Great Plains region of America. Specializing in appraisals of farms, ranches, commercial real estate or retail facilities and industrial real estate, WT Appraisal has over 30 years of experience in agriculture and over 10 offices throughout the region. OSU grad Andrew Cox has been appraising properties throughout Oklahoma for over a decade and would love to give you help with your appraisal needs. So give Andrew a call at 806-418-2629 or visit him at his website, WTAppraisal.com. Dustin, let's ride. Here's David.
3: Hey guys, David here. Uh, first off, love the content as always. Loved the call last week on uh, we might see Morton and get a cheap touchdown. It really turned out to be a cheap half. And as my boy Randy D pointed out, uh, the, the halftime adjustments by our defense were incredible. So good call there. Uh, a couple things that have been bothering me I wanted to, to ask about. Uh, number one is clock management. Gundy obviously is who he is. He's going to be conservative. I'm all for it. It wins football games. Stick to the plan. Let's do it. But obviously against Baylor and Tech, a couple drives late where we're in milk the clock situations and we're snapping the ball with 10 to 20 seconds left. Help me understand that. Makes zero sense to me. Very frustrating. Number two, fourth down defense. Serious question. Are we statistically the worst defense of all time on fourth down? I mean, I know a lot of those are fourth and short, but both Baylor and Tech just seemed automatic on fourth down. Want to hear your thoughts. Thanks, guys
1: dustin you you may have a different uh belief on this but i feel like you know snapping the ball with 10 to 20 seconds is kind of a result of just an up tempo nature i know i know we can dial it back but if you're if you're not in the huddle you're lined up and when you're lined up it gives you time it gives the defense time to look at your formation i would imagine that's partially part of the reason why you're not bleeding the clock down to two seconds or one second i don't know i don't know no, that's
2: a great point. And shout shout out to David. That's my buddy. Uh David, shout out to him too. I shouted him out on the Instagram for giving me tickets uh to a couple of games earlier this year. His seats are awesome and it allows <laughs> me to give my seats away to friends and family. So Beautiful. shout out to him for that. Um he gives Randy D a shout out too, a free shout out for Randy. But um so what Gundy has said is he's been asked this, and he was asked this after the tech game, that If they go too slow, kind of like what you said, it's going to take them out of their rhythm.
1: Yeah, for sure. But to
2: David's point, I do agree that if you're going to just run inside zone anyway, (laughs) maybe, maybe don't snap it with 16 seconds left. And I don't even think it's a run the clock all the way down to one. I think it's maybe, you know, getting it to like that eight, nine range the thing is, though, I think they ended up they ended up scoring on that drive, right? That that I think David is specifically referring to. So they gave Tech some time back, but I, I can kind of see it both sides. I agree with what David said. I kind of get what Gundy saying, and I definitely understand your point as well. So I don't really know where I land on that. I'm not trying to play, you know, like a man in the middle. But it, it's it's one I haven't put a ton of thought into. Obviously, when I'm doing my rewatch, I'm skipping you know, five-second skip between plays. So I forget the clock management portion, but it's a great question. Yeah, and yeah, it, no doubt. The fourth down defense,
1: I don't know how you defend these
2: teams that are going for it eight times a game on fourth
1: yeah, down. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's... Especially if you don't do it. It's kind of deflating even seeing a team run out there on fourth down because it's like you're, you're defending three downs and then it's fourth and five. Most teams wouldn't go for that, but the team runs out and you're like, oh, gosh, what if they get this? Um, I, I I think we're probably better than you would think defending the fourth down. I would think we're probably not abnormal, but these two teams have been unbelievably aggressive. I also think that is not a typical approach to what you'll see the remainder of the year. I don't even think TCU is nearly as aggressive going forward on no, fourth they're down. they're not going to do it. But who knows maybe they see some i don't know but yeah i agree dustin i i I don't think that this is normal
2: yeah i think you know a couple of them we've gotten caught with tempo also not even like you know when they're on their own 30 you know in the baylor game going for it on fourth and eight it's like and they're going tempo you don't even know you don't do you have the right personnel out there and they're like to david's point you got to be able to to combat yeah, it, yeah, to gotta stop get it, right? But I think it's going to be a learning process. Um, you know, going up against these Dave veranda and Joey McGuire led teams the next several years because it's not something like you said you typically see.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great questions, David. Thanks for that. Speaking of Randy D, let's hear from him.
4: Hey guys, Randall Dryden here. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on something. So. Uh, Spencer Sanders has now passed Mike Gundy for, uh, all time wins and I believe is number three in all time yards at OSU, which, uh, is, is pretty, you know, crazy if you think about it, but, um, my question centers around really, you know, there's a number of statistics and, and records that you could point to, uh, who is the goat at quarterback. Uh, and so I wanted to know where you think uh, Spencer Sanders lines up in that. And what do you feel like is the best statistic? Thanks guys.
1: Thanks Randy. Appreciate that. Um, Do we just get asked who's the goat at, at quarterback for Oklahoma State?
2: <laughs> well, I, if he's asking where Spencer ranks and thanks Randy for sending that in. Love you. But <laughs> I, I think I really, 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 and I'm not trying to cop out of this, but if he continues with what he's been doing this season, I mean, he already has 12 passing touchdowns, only two picks, almost 1400 passing yards, six touchdowns on the ground. I know, you know, if you look it up, it says 241 yards rushing, but he take the sacks out of that and he's close to like 300. If he continues what he's doing, keeps the turnovers low and leads this team to a big 12 championship, then yeah, I mean, he's rocketing up that list and he's in the talks with, you know, obviously still behind like a Brandon Whedon, I would think, but is he, you know, number three, number two, I mean, this season can define his legacy.
1: I mean, I'm already flirting with putting him at three right now. Like, I, I I think passing Mike Gundy, Big 12 title game appearance last year, Fiesta Bowl win over Notre Dame, Bedlam win. Like, those are the legacy wins that we talk about with Brandon Whedon and Mason Rudolph. Brandon Whedon, the difference with him is he has a Big 12 title. So if Spencer does what you just said, he might <laughs> – is he number one?
2: <laughs> it's crazy to think about, but there's a chance he has statistically one of the best, yeah, offensive seasons at Oklahoma State during the Gundiera. I mean, I'm not gonna well, say of all it's... time when you've got like Barry Sanders, but oh. <laughs> you know, with of the of the Gundiera, and it's it's gonna be pretty awesome to see where it ends. I mean, it, it, if he continues this trajectory we're talking like a season, like a Brandon Whedon, you know, Justin Blackman's, what was that? His 2010 season Rudolph
1: 2017, like that. Yeah.
2: Like one of those seasons it's up there with one of those. So we'll see how it ends up. But I love the question. I, I love talking about it and I think, I think we're going to have to come back to this question shortly after the season ends, especially if it, if it continues in this upward trajectory and, I think maybe even have half an episode (laughs) dedicated.
1: it may not even be after this season because Oklahoma state's got TCU, Texas, K state coming up and KU all ranked right now. Um, We may have this conversation here in four weeks. If, if Oklahoma state gets through that, that gauntlet. So great question. Here's big Lou.
5: Hey guys, Big Lou back for a big week, TCU week. So got two questions. One's football related, one very much is not. But for the football question, um, what team from matchup standpoint scares you the most? Um, is it Texas with a healthy Quinn Ewers? Is it K-State with their running quarterback? Um, let me know what, uh, what scares you and in, what, in, in you think that matchup is what we'll see in the Big 12 title? Should we get there? Um, The the second question is is food related, of course, because I like my food, but I wanted you guys to power rank your top five Stillwater food items. So it could be anything from Joe's, Hideaway, whatever, Um, but rank your top five Items Elm Street foul thing for the win. But guys, thank you um for everything you do. Always have fun listening to you guys. Talk to you soon.
1: Oh big big Lou. That was Thanks, great. Lou, I it, started talking about food and almost forgot about your first question. Um Dustin, is it kind of recency bias to say that this matchup might be one of the most challenging? For Oklahoma State?
2: No. No, I, I don't think so. I, I think I was going to go either this one or, like Lou said, maybe the Texas game just because of the skill position guys that they have and yours being back and not a ton of film on him yet. So, obviously, want to see more of that you know, as we lead up to that game. But I think these two are big time. No no shot at Kansas State. I think that's going to be really tough. I think you know if Kansas, if Jalen Daniels comes back, which I expect he will – that's going to be tough as well. Away, Kansas State's away, DCU's away. The <laughs> Texas game's actually at home, so that helps out a little bit. But I, I'm not really sure. I mean, this next little stretch is tough, like you mentioned. Now, who's going to be in the Big 12 title game? At this point, I just need to see a little bit more. I, I'm still not really sure who I even want to make my favorite right now. It's kind of all over the map.
1: I know you have five ranked teams right now. Half the conference is ranked. It could go any direction. Um, so, and and even a you know a Baylor who's unranked is absolutely still in the hunt for this thing. So, I mean, a three-loss team may go. Oh, I Wellington. I am to the point where I'm believing that. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's Texas because I think what. Duggan can do with his legs scares me a little more than what Quinn can do he's mobile but he's really more like a um I don't even know he's unlike any really other quarterback in the conference right now um I I actually am looking forward to seeing what the Oklahoma State defensive line can do against Texas's really young offensive line with a fairly immobile quarterback in Quinn Ewers so that one is actually one I've got circled but I would say TCU is threatening in KU with Jalen Daniels, who I think is back from what I've seen. He may be back like now, like he, he may play. Um, so I, I like both of those call outs. And can we just, for the sake of time, can we rank like our top two, like food yeah, items? We can, yeah, we, we
2: can just rank them together. I'm, um, I'm assuming we'll somewhat have similar.
1: So, well, let's just go then. Um, my, so what are we doing? Five? Either way, okay. We'll let's, see how
2: we'll see how crazy it gets. Let's
1: do. Let's start at five then. Um, I'll go first. I'll go with a um, I'll go with a coney, just a classic coney. Yeah, that, I
2: think that was going to be my number one. As oh well, wow, so th-
1: this was a bad way to do this because you and I are on the wrong side of the spectrum here. But I love a coney. I mean, they're phenomenal. Yeah.
2: Well, let's just rent, let's just try to agree on them. Then let's get to a let's just get to a top three.
1: We could do our favorite where we say it at the same time.
2: Now, when I was in school, I really liked um, Cafe Eighty Eight.
1: Oh, I've never it had kind that. Of a
2: go to for me, it was a uh, kind of by like uh, Kidoba. Yeah, what would you go with there? there? I can't even remember my order. I remember <laughs> I like to get it extra spicy, but um, that that place was really really good I hideaway I mean I love hideaway pizza I love their apps I love the fried mushrooms oh so the fried anything
1: phenomenal call the fried mushroom with the Italian dressing is Any, hard to beat
2: yeah anything from there I mean there's a lot of I know people have their Stillwater spots that they really really love so I'm sure there's a lot of places we're not even naming but I'm not I'm not the best food ranker
1: i know i'm not either and i don't eat a ton on game days i'm already kind of nervous my my stomach's a little queasy so i don't i don't eat a ton on game day
2: great question and bad answers (laughs) (laughs)
1: maybe absolutely not fair but I'll, i'll say what my absolute favorite is in stillwater it's the sweet pepper bacon cheese fries i love it every time and you know what i'll even give you another one a little joe at eskimo joe's when they give it to you in the in the paper bag yeah, it's hard to get a better burger than that for me. So I, I actually prefer <laughs> a bad it over one there with you. We have had that together. Maybe that exact meal we
2: shared Little Joe's together.
1: <laughs> yeah, we we split a little Joe. You and me, we're dainty eaters. Um, <laughs> we broke bread over a little Joe. <laughs> Lou, thanks for the question. Tyler Wheat, here we go.
0: Hey guys, Tyler Wheat here, longtime listener, first time caller. I feel like Tech had some bulletin board material from shutting them out last year. They win the coin toss, they elect to receive, they march down the field, had a really good opening drive, and then they follow that up with that onside kick that heads up play we're able to get out of. But the very beginning of that game could have been a lot different, I feel like, uh, had that not happened. So big play there. I feel like whenever we were in Baylor, Aranda, it's not really out of the norm for him to be aggressive, but uh, really aggressive play calling there. Uh does Oklahoma state just have a target on their back right now that teams are digging deep in the playbook showing up? And if so, what do you think the TCU is going to pull? And to follow that up, just how awesome is it to be an Oklahoma state fan right now? Uh, we got the big home win streak going. These teams are really showing up. All the games are going to be exciting. I think this next stretch is going to be just fantastic, but your, your thoughts.
1: I mean, I, I think being an Oklahoma State fan right now is the absolute best. I mean, it, it's a, it's an absolute blast. I love it. It's, it's a great call in
2: the question. I think, I think he literally went through the same kind of scenario we did at the beginning about yeah. Texas Tech coming out and pulling out all the stops. I think TCU might stick to one of the type of game plans that they've shown in the three games I watched because they've kind of shown a lot. Like I said, they went... They went GT counter heavy against OU and that GH counter. They went zone heavy against SMU and threw it to the slot receivers a bunch. They fed Quentin Johnston in the KU game. They've used Mac Duggan's legs in different ways in different games. So I'm not sure if they can really like pull out any more stops. And no, I could be completely wrong, but I don't know what else they have in their bag. You know, they already do the jet sweep to uh, to Davis. So I I don't really know what else they have. I do think it's a great call-out. But I think TCU thinks they're good enough to compete with OSU. I think Tech might have thought they needed to do some of that to stay in the game. And so I I think that's kind of how it'll play out. I think it'll be TCU, their, their game plan, trying to do what they do best against OSU, their game plan, trying to do what they do best. I don't think either team will really have too much trickery going
1: on. I I love it, Dustin. I, I I don't think Oklahoma State has a target on their back. I think they ran into the two most aggressive coaches in this conference, and Joey McGuire. You know, I I think he has probably even overdone it to a certain extent, and I think it might be because Texas Tech was in a really bad place. It, it could be his style, but there's also a piece of this that is you know winning a fan base over you know, he's, he's got to have a high approval rating in year one when they're probably going to go six and six, seven and five, you know, it, it's going to be an improvement, but it's not going to be perfect. Um, I would think that aggression from him is expected, but I'll be curious to see what happens in year two, year three. Like, is that who he is? Because I, I don't know. It it was really aggressive in, in, in this last game. So I hope that answers your question. And yeah, the opening part of that game was uh, nearly a disaster, but uh, not of Oklahoma State's undoing, but nearly because of Texas Tech's doing. Thanks, Tyler.
3: Hey guys, this is Mo Willie calling in from North Carolina. Hmm. I am a somewhat new listener to the podcast. I uh, really appreciate listening to you guys week in and week out, and, and all your insights. And I think I was actually turned on to you a couple of months ago by a mutual friend, and Lee Cothran, So shout out to Lee there. But uh, my question is around our running back room. And you know, on one hand, I can see Gordon and Nixon and saying, "Hey, they've, they've earned a few more carries." Uh, on the other hand, I can see why they haven't. But when you add in now Jackson to the mix, you know, how do you think that dynamic's going to work out? How many you know carries do you think he's going to get moving forward, assuming he he does a decent job? And the other question would be just around his style. I don't have a good uh, sense of what his running style is and how he's going to complement Richardson. And I know his sample size from A and M was a little. Uh, small and just one carry here year to date. So, uh, anyway, that's it. would love your thoughts on that. And.
1: And he gone Mo Willie. Thanks for the question. Um, yeah, th- th- this is a
2: great question and, and shout out to Lee. I mean, we're not going to like give you any money or anything, but thanks for, uh, <laughs> yeah. for the referral for the podcast.
1: hundred <laughs> percent front of the pod. Uh, Dynasty Defined, you should listen to it if you if you want a good wrestling podcast. Yeah, we no, shout him out all the time, so we don't know him anything. We do. Maybe we should stop that. Uh, he owes <laughs> us, if anything. Um, I'll say this. Four good running backs is a lot to have, and I, I think that there's only one football, so I don't know how the dynamic is or how it will be going forward, but Oklahoma State's going to have to do what they're going to have to do to win football games, and if that means you know, one guy or two guys being kind of not pushed aside, but not getting the carries that maybe they think they have earned. That's, that's just kind of how this goes. So I don't, I don't expect a whole lot of, you know, placating to, to be done in that room right now.
2: Yeah. And kind of going back to something Tyler mentioned in the last audio question, maybe this is kind of a, something Oklahoma state has up their sleeve a little bit. And we do see, a Nixon and a Gordon and a Jackson get a little bit more involved in this game, it would be a good game to do it. You haven't really done it in any other game. We've seen a few carries here and there for guys like Gordon and Nixon, but these are guys that are able to get to the edge a little bit better than Dom in, in Nixon and Gordon. And then with Jackson, from what I've seen from just kind of the spring game, the you know practice videos that we've seen, the, the reps that and from what I've heard, he's more of a power in between the tackles runner, which is kind of like he, I, I think he's more of like a Dom's backup. I think they have kind of similar skill sets. And also you see that when he's used in the 23 personnel Absolutely. they're trying to get the two bigger backs in there. So I think that's more of his style. I I think it's a great call off from O'Willy. Maybe we do see these guys and the, you know, we know they've earned it. Gundy said on his radio show, Nixon deserves more carries. So maybe we see that this week.
1: Yeah, maybe so. Great question, Mo Willie. Here's Aaron. How are you doing, guys? Another great game on Saturday.
4: Felt like the game went on for nine hours, but we're glad we got a W. <laughs> My question for you is, uh, it's pretty obvious that the way you can move the ball in Oklahoma State is getting the ball out quick, whether it's in the flat or dumps. Uh, for a team like TCU that does a really good job of hitting you over the top and relies heavily on the deep ball, which they do well, do you see TC reverting to you know, the the style play Texas Tech and Central Michigan did of getting the ball out quick and not laying the defensive line, um, get pressure. Um, I'd love to get your perspective on that. And I'm proud to announce this is my coming out campaign on, you know, getting the brightest band in all the land, new uniforms. It's time. It's overdue. Um, I'm tired of seeing, you know, that old O-State logo on their chest. that has been there since 2004. The Bryce Band and all the land deserves more, and I'm ready to give that for him. So, uh, what do you say, fellas? Let's let's start that campaign. Um, except for this week episode, I'm ready for another uh, good game on Saturday.
1: But what what am I missing? What uniform are we talking about here? The band.
4: <laughs> oh, all right,
1: band. It, you know what? That's exactly what he's talking about. I couldn't. I didn't pick up that band. I love he's it. Exactly I, right.
2: I'm I'm on board. 100%. Aaron and We'll We're, we'll shout it out on this podcast if we want. I'm I'm down for new band uniforms. Where, where do you sign the uh, the change
1: form, like the change.org. Do we have that yet?
2: Don't ask me for ideas for the band uniforms, but I'm definitely down for an update.
1: <laughs> I got one 45 right on the chest. Here we that go. That would be cool. <laughs> um, you know what? I I don't think I think you actually answered this question just a couple of minutes ago. I don't think TCU comes out and tries to do anything out of the norm. But to give Max Duggan a, another out of a play that's not going anywhere and needing to get the ball out quickly, sure that I could see them leaking somebody out quickly. They do like to run a lot of slow developing, you know, even that leak concept, which requires a lot of time in the pocket. I'm not sure they're going to have that amount of time. So yeah, he may be onto something with that.
2: Yeah, I mean, like their Brett Sonny Dykes' bread and butter over his career has been that cross air raid staple, which has a you know a quick out, but then it's a deep post, a fade, and kind of a deep route, deep ish, intermediate shroud over the middle. So like you said, it's more of a slow developing play aside from that quick out. So if Oklahoma State's giving it to Duggan, I'm sure he'll take it, but I don't think they're gonna just go to the quick game like CMU and like we saw, like at Texas Tech either. did it's just not really their style and I know they're the power raid the air raid concepts but I if they if they went to that all game long I would be kind of shocked it's not really Duggins
1: we haven't really seen him do that a lot but I, I mean th- they might I don't know if he's accurate I mean he's he's a great deep ball thrower but I don't know if that's the kind of game he wants to play. So great question. Here's Carly Hey
6: feels like 45 podcast guys this is Carly Gatlin And I'm really worried. I'm really concerned. Um, I've heard some rumors from hashtag sources that Spencer Sanders is going to miss the TCU in the Texas game with a high ankle sprain. Whoa. And I need to know if you guys have heard this rumor and if you can debunk it for me. And if you can't, I'm going to need a full Gunnar Gundy segment of this podcast um, with some film to ease my fears going into a huge, huge road game this week um I love Mike. I'm a huge Gundy fan, um, but I'm just not quite ready to hand the reins over to Gunner. So, what do we do? How do we prepare gutter <laughs> for this huge road game? We're going to have to use him. Am I panicking yes. for the wrong reasons? Yes. Please ease my fears. Tell me that everything's going to be okay no matter who plays quarterback.
2: Please. Everything's going to be okay no matter who plays quarterback. No, but. I haven't heard anything about the ankle. I know that he was getting his leg worked on. I thought that was cramping. Leg cramps. But all that we've... All that I know Cade and I have heard... Kid, unless you've heard something different oh. since we talked. Is... Took some shots of the midsection, the ribs. And then his shoulder. I think both shoulders, actually. Yeah. He had the ice on the one after the game. And then I've heard some talk about possibly him in a sling currently this week. So... I think it's more of the shoulder. If it's his, you know, I know ice on his throwing shoulder. If the shoulder that's more hurt is his left shoulder, I think he would He'll still go. play. He'll totally go. Maybe we see him used a little bit differently. I haven't heard anything on the ankle, but Carly, it's a great question, great call out. Now you got me freaking out a little bit. So, yeah, really appreciate that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but- Dustin's dialing on his phone right now. He's- <laughs> but if if he is if he is gonna miss it. The TCU game would be a tough one to miss. I, like you said, I'm. I think Gunner's a solid quarterback, but I, I do think that this would be a tough game because I think you need Spencer in this game because he's been your offense this season. Yeah.
1: I, I don't want to completely dismiss it, but um, the ankle would be shocking to me. It would be something else uh, that would be understandable. But he finished that game, and unless something worse happened since then i don't see how he finishes that game and then doesn't play in the next one that's massive i just don't i just don't see that so carly i get your uh (laughs) i get your concern but i i don't i don't really match it i think he's gonna go
2: yeah i we could be completely wrong that's just what we've heard but carly i love the call out but now you got me panicking so i'm on board with you so your cade's gonna have to talk us both down Yeah. I think you both need to just relax a little bit.
1: (laughs) All right. Here's Patrick.
4: Hey guys. First time caller, long time listener. It seems like every season, a big question that comes up is will the Cowboy backs be more involved in the passing game? And every year the answer seems to be no. Um, I'm curious as to why you think that is, uh, (laughs) do you think we'll ever get a Cowboy back that is very involved in the passing game? Um, is that something we're going to see at this point? Uh, I feel like we haven't had a true pass catching tight end since uh, Brandon Predigrew uh, might be showing my age with that reference a little bit, but yeah, just curious about your thoughts on getting the Cowboy backs more involved in the passing game. And if that's something you think we'll ever see.
2: So I think we're moving towards it with the Blaine greens and the Rashad Owens and the Tabry Shetran Talon Shetran's little brother, like you know, the guys that they're looking at, I know Jelani McDonald, you know, they may have him play defense. But some of these guys they're recruiting that are more of the pass catching style. I think there's, you know, I think they like the fullback type tight ends, like your Casty and your Schultz. But it does seem like they are making an effort to recruit to take receivers that ha- that you know have the frame to put on size are able to block and move them to this Cowboy back position. And I thought last season when Blaine Green was getting those snaps at Cowboy back, they were going to him in the passing game, especially against, you know, opponent coming up this week, TCU last year. So I do think, and and you're right on everything you said with the past, right on this season with throwing it to him, But I do think Oklahoma State is shifting their mindset a little bit about this position I know you can't really tell right now because Blaine Green goes down with injury and Rashad Owens is his first time really getting worked in there. But I do think we start to see more of these Greens, these Owens, these Shetrens, and more of a shift to that.
1: I I agree, Dustin. I mean, I agree completely. I think we saw it a little bit in the Big 12 title game last year against TCU. I agree with everything you said, and I don't really have much more to add, Um, but it would be nice, and I get why we're talking about it. Texas Tech had a couple of big tight ends out there that they like to throw to a few times. I get why we're having the conversation, but we'll see. I, I think you're right. Here's Ryan Winkle keeping the snap streak alive.
4: What's up, dudes? If I gave you the option of having one of the following three throwback uniforms for a game this season, would you choose 2003,
0: 2008, <laughs> or 2013?
1: <laughs> oh, God. Ryan, that's a good one. Um, Dustin, do you remember like the 2003 calculator so number he uniforms? Sent us, oh, he yeah, did.
2: He sent us them in the DM, so it kind of refreshed a little bit. But I, what think a I'd champ! To, I think I'd have to. And Ryan, thank you for that, and thank you for sending the question. I think I might have to go with those 2003, just with the huge state <laughs> across the chest. Those I, uh,
1: really were bad it would I, almost be
2: hilarious to wear them though like i think i think i'm going with that one
1: um man i i really don't love any of them um <laughs> like even the 2011 ones were fun because we had colors to mix match but that was it i didn't love the actual uniform itself i'll go 2008 cuz i i that reminds me of the des bryant era but even those were like kind of in hindsight, kind of a hard nose. And I'm not, I'm not going with the calculator numbers. There's no way I am. I, I thought you World were calculators a taste.
2: Hey, I am a tonight. finance
1: major. I love calculators. <laughs> All right. Last two. Here's one from Andrew.
7: Hey guys, Andrew Cox here, friend of the pod Proud presenting sponsor of this segment. Uh, so I've been <laughs> curious about something over the past couple of weeks. I've uh, been watching Gundy's press conferences and it seems like the conversation about the defense at each presser is dominated by questions about our inexperience and our general youthfulness on the defensive side kind of took me a little bit by surprise that this seems to still be the main storyline now almost halfway through the season. I mean, we returned a handful of starters from last year with a majority of the other guys being twos from last year, so it's not like we're running a bunch of toddlers out there or something. Uh, so I was curious if y'all could kind of rank the inexperience and youthfulness for our defense versus the other defenses in the Big 12. And maybe same question, kind of rank us on that end uh, versus your typical OSU defense over the past five or ten years or so, just to kind of put this in perspective for me. Thanks, guys.
2: Andrew, not just because you're a sponsor, that's a great question. And I think it maybe is – as we've seen kind of the season unfold, I think it's maybe overblown in some areas. In some areas, we're kind of still seeing that youth and experience. So for me, on the stevens if I were to rank them, I think linebacker is where it shines Definitely. the most for me. But then cornerback, you know, going into the season, a lot of the media and a lot of the people that maybe weren't super involved just specifically with Oklahoma State are pointing to cornerback where I don't think that's shown as much. I mean, we see Jabbar Muhammad have a all-time game against Texas Tech. I mean, he was amazing. Corey Black has played well, also. I think where I'm at with some of the inexperienced talk is now I'm. It's more for me about the backups, but because Oklahoma State has had you know up until the Texas Tech game some pretty good luck with injuries, we've only seen the starters. So I get Andrew's point completely. Like what is this inexperience you're talking about besides the linebackers? Cause you're seeing a Jason Taylor, a Thomas Harper, a Jabbar Muhammad, trace Ford, Sionia C who's like 35 years old, Brennan Evers, Brock Martin. So I a hundred percent agree. And I don't understand why it's still a storyline until we have to start playing these younger guys. The only spot that I think you can really talk about is Cobb because he didn't really get many reps last year. And he's actually played really well and then Benson coming from the Juco up to the back to the Power 5 level and just kind of having some struggles there. Outside of that, I don't get why those questions keep coming up and why it's still a storyline because outside of the fact that maybe all these guys haven't played together a ton in actual games, they've all gotten a lot of snaps, and the defensive line is like the – if I'm comparing, like Andrew said, this defensive line to the rest of the Big 12 – Age-wise, they have to be number one, oldest.
1: Yeah, general youthfulness is just an inaccurate assessment of this defense. Inexperienced, be like to, the oldest defense, and even, <laughs> and even like inexperience is the wrong word. It's inexperience together, as you said. I mean, I would go back to even like twenty seventeen like the, i i feel like that was a year with like you know a young calvin bundage and some guys in the secondary this is not the most young inexperienced defense we've even had in the last 5 years so i i, I think that's um misguided but not wrong but definitely misleading
2: yeah it's it's kind of a confusing storyline and if if someone from the national media see someone write about that from the local media they're going to have this view on the inexperience when that's maybe not what it is but i think experience wise and just overall talent wise it's got to be one of the better defenses in the big 12 even though we've seen some flaws i'd still probably say that
1: well i th- i think most would agree with you if you go listen to people talk about oklahoma state's defense right now it is generally very positive, which is interesting. Yeah. It's almost like the narrative has carried over in people's minds. Um, and it's also good to know that people aren't just looking at box scores. And, and Oklahoma State's defense dominated that second half. Um, and I feel like it is primed to do a little bit of the same this weekend. Just keep that conversation and the momentum going. I, I, think, it, I think it's just misrepresentative of the actual situation. Yeah, I uh, agree. Let's let's land this plane with who other than our friend, Mr. Alex Fuller. Hello
5: there. feels like we're my podcast sports fans. This is your three and two man (laughs) with a million dollar plan. Last week, I was a loser, but the Oklahoma State Cowboys were a winner which is a little bit more important. <laughs> this week, I hate this bet. I hate this bet. Hate, hate, hate. But I'm going to hopefully love it in the end. I'm betting it. I'm taking it. First half under 34. God, I hate it. But I got to bet it. Under 34. block it up. Rub it down. And send it in. Good night
1: good night to you alex reminder that if you use prize picks you can download it from the app store and you can use our promo code feels 12 and you can pick some some over unders on some player uh stats and you'll get a match of a hundred dollars up to your uh first deposit 100 percent match up to a hundred dollars so alex thanks for letting me plug us there and i'll be with him again so i can uh i can definitely let him know about I- this bet Live I do in not real time. I do not like the under 34 first half. I I mean, I get what he's saying, but these are two big offenses it scares me.
2: Your score goes along with it a little bit better than mine. I feel like, you know, my total of 72 I'm basically saying that nobody'll make they'll make terrible halftime adjustments on defense. <laughs> right, and I'm <laughs> thinking It's that the under.
1: opposite. Like I think these offenses come out pretty hot. Yeah. And I think one defense tightens up a lot and I think the other tightens up a little bit. And this is a four quarter kind of who has the ball last type of game. Like we had names last year. This feels like that game to me. 34 is actually a pretty good number. I see why you're you're saying that, Alex, but I don't know. That scares me. I think these are two good offenses.
2: I'll be with him all weekend. We're in a wedding together this weekend. So maybe the wedding's on Friday. Shout out to my buddy, Emilio, for getting married Congrats Friday Emilio during football season. That's big time. Uh, <laughs> he's a podcast listener too, so shout out to him. But... I'll be with him on Friday and Thursday. Maybe I can, maybe we can, we'll see if he has a different bet as the week goes, or if he still feels confident with that. And we may have to, we may have to throw on an Instagram live with all three of us. I was literally just going to
1: say, let's, let's pull all three of us into a live and, and see what happens. That sounds good. We're I'm actually, I'll be watching the game with a full house of people. It's my daughter's third birthday party and shout we scared, Yeah. Shout out my daughter, my baby. Um, but we scheduled this thinking TCU would be, you know, an o- okay game to to have a party. No, this is just just the biggest game of the year up to this point, so it's all good. <laughs> I won't be an absolute wreck. That's no big deal. Hey, that'll be it'll be a fun time though. Yeah, no um, doubt. But yeah, so we we may have to do
2: that. He's pretty stubborn though. He's probably gonna stick with this bet.
1: Well, let's at least hop on live and let's see if we can talk him out of it. But. <laughs> Dustin, shout this out, week. Kid.
2: I was just gonna say one more shout out to all of our sponsors: to Price, to Homefield Apparel, to Andrew Cox. Prize, loving you guys, absolutely. Prize Picks, love you guys sending in the questions. Sorry for the Twitter questions; didn't have time this week, as you can tell. We already went ridiculously long, <laughs> so. Uh, but thank you guys so much for sending them in and taking the time.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. We got to lay in this plane though. We're we're recording late. This will be out a little bit later than usual, but uh, we appreciate you guys. We love you. Thank, thank you for participating and sending your questions in. And if you're not already, give us a follow on Twitter at feels like 45 pod You can follow us on Instagram there as well. You can follow Dustin at DustRagu and follow me at CadeWeb. We will see you guys back here next week. Let's all agree to take deep breaths. It's a long four-quarter game this weekend. And uh, let's see if we can get back here next week with a Cowboy win. We'll talk to you guys then. Have a great week. Go Pokes.